Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Song. I'm going to tell all you fascists you may be surprised. Welcome to Sylvan Gold, Daddy. Yeah. I am the loaf, and with me, Dr. Zom. Kyle Hitler. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Uh, what an interesting yeah. week. <laughs> it's been, a, been an interesting <laughs> Facebook week. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we are back this week with a little... Uh, this is a... A show for uh, Mr. Rob, if you will. Some, uh, what is our double feature this week? Some uh, obsessed William Peterson chasing down motherfuckers double feature. Uh, We got uh, To Live and Die in L.A., the William Friedkin film from 1985. And Manhunter, the Michael Mann uh, telling of Red Dragon from 1986. It's fucked up that he put his name in the title. What? Oh, man, Hunter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the cricket noise on my phone. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Zom, how are you, sir? I have the shits. <laughs> I have the shits. I have the shits. I, drank I have a, a sh- big bottle of Equate Regular Strength Stomach Relief. Uh, bismuth. I guess uh, Bismuth Subsalicylate. I love yeah. pink bismuth. Bismuth. Um, right before we went on the air, um, something happened. But uh, <laughs> the bottom I, dropped I, out. I, yeah, I mean, my, you know, whatever. I think uh, I have a uh, um, some poop in there. <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> I drank a shitload of coffee and have yet to poop myself. So I probably have a fluffy one on deck. We'll see. That's some flounder. I made some flounder and uh, it. I don't know. I just, I didn't even really want it. <laughs> I don't know why I made it. I just wanted to cook to, to have something to do. And uh, I don't know. Who cares? Fuck this shit. What have you been watching? Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Um, let me you've been, think. You've been all right? Good week? Good week? Well, you know, we had some, we did have some, and it, it, it's, 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 it seems like it was so long ago yeah. now. But for about a day, I, I mean, you know, when we were invaded by um, some national, a national socialist or something, I don't know what it was. I suspect just a troll, yeah. uh, which, you know, honest to God, I told Will a bunch of times that, you know, I had been on some wrestling message boards and shit like that that are just full of people that just 
try to cause trouble and just, you know, no matter what you'd post, they'd be a dick or, you know, uh, and we've never had that. And we've never really had anybody that was just a, somebody who was just trying to be a dick to be a dick. And, uh, we had that this past week. Yeah. And And it's funny. uh, You and I make a stand against it and we lose the Facebook members. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Well, like I said, I mean, you know, hey, I don't care what anybody believes. Uh, if you if you believe something, that's fine. But if you come out and express that you are for genocide mm-hmm. and for the destruction of a of an entire race of people and world war, and you're all for that, well, I'm sorry, but you know what? You have freedom of speech, and you can say that all you want. But guess what? So do we. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And uh, not only that, but if you are on our group and you express those views on our group, you will not be in our group <laughs> in very long because no. uh, we are leftist dictators and we roll with an iron fist. <laughs> uh, no, we, we roll with a pink frilly fist. <laughs> yeah, and we'll stick it up your ass after we fucking lube it up. Uh, that's of- the way we roll. I had a pretty, uh, I don't know, I felt like it was going to be a slow week for me. Uh, the uh, Besides the Facebook drama, the you know, I, I worked another six days in a row at the uh, at the old store. More uh, post-holiday Apple madness. Is. So um, it's finally slowed down a little. Got a couple days off this week. That was nice. So. Yeah. Got you to lay around. Days off every once God. in a Yeah, tell me about it. So hopefully it'll be nice and steady again as opposed to just fucking just madness so uh we had a fight in the store um to it was a so it's it's funny you got you got you got to see two like um was it societal stereotypes happen all at once so um, a hipster versus a guy who doesn't believe in evolution no it was two (laughs) yeah (laughs) are you kidding me um the uh so apparently the, the the actual story was it was a white woman probably middle-aged and a black gentleman who found her phone contacted her in whatever way and she offered to give him a hundred dollars to return her phone so he comes to the store oh yeah here you go they meet at the store at the apple store for what reason i don't know and she she's like he, he's like oh here's your phone back and she's like okay uh, I'm not giving you any money, or here's some money, not the hundred dollars. And he's like, "Oh, is it blah blah blah?" And then the two large redneck gentlemen with her decide to attack the guy in the store and take back the money <laughs> forcefully. Jesus. So um, somebody starts yelling, "Call the police!" The store is packed at this point. Nice. Um, the one of our employees pushes this group that's scuffling out of the store, and um, the cops show up and they handcuff the black gentleman and not the two rednecks choking him. <laughs> so that was the first stereotype. Did one of the I saw. rednecks look like Terry Gordy and the other one what? looked like uh, Buddy Roberts. I was all the way at the back, so I did not see anybody's face. Um, Were you at the back at the beginning of the fight or just after it started? <laughs> no, well, I I was. I just saw it. It happened seriously within thirty seconds. All of a sudden, somebody yells, "Call the police!" I'm like, "What the hell?" And then they all get pushed outside, and the cops were there within a minute because the cops just kind of hang out there at the mall. So, um, 
by the time it got back to the back of the store, what had happened, it was, I heard these two customers saying, well, uh, apparently the African American gentleman was choking a small child and the two white men, uh, (laughs) (laughs) for like told him he was under arrest. I'm like, and and so that's what everybody was thinking already at the back of the store is that a black dude was choking a small kid and two guys heroically was stopped him. White kid. No, he, there was no kid yet, at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was the black guy getting choked because he was getting oh, robbed. Now, come on. <laughs> so, hey, that's what happened. So anyway, now you're just freaking talking fiction. So yeah, that was the, uh, that was the highlight of the week at the store. Jesus. And then, what's up with the, I mean, Jesus Christ. And he got handcuffed uh, for getting choked. He'll be in prison probably for the rest of his life. <laughs> And they probably found a joint in his pocket. How how dare you get your throat on these poor white men's arms? <laughs> his black skin touched their hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, other than that, been pretty slow. Going to get some tattoos today. It Yay! Fucking rampant racism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we I think it with laughter. I That's did the- hear one of the dudes was named Dante. So um, oh, other than that, um, anyway, yeah, his name was Dick Murdoch. <laughs> Uh, Dante and Dick Murdoch choked out a poor black gentleman in our store this week. That's not even funny. It is. It's well, you know, whatever. You gotta uh, learn to laugh. So, what have you been watching? Okay. Well, first of all, I have been reading uh, the book that I got from uh, one of our dear, dear listeners, Bunny Sticky, who hasn't left the group yet. Uh, the wrestling <laughs> by Simon it, Garfield. I've been uh, taking that on. While I'm pooping or in the bathtub, just about every day, which is and a it's lot, very good, huh? <laughs> which is a lot of the time. Yeah, Jesus Christ! I mean, I'm up to about four or five baths a day, <laughs> and a, and a shower before I go to work. Um, <laughs> let's see. I watched a documentary called Life After Porn. I think that's what it's called. I, I that's, but that's what it's about. Oh, uh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the yeah, the gentleman talked about that. Well, yeah. it's not Life After Porn. It's I'll figure it out. Go ahead. Something after porn or something, whatever, Who, I, you know, whatever. But anyway, it was good, but, um, after porn ends. Yeah. After porn ends. Um, there are several people like Amber Lynn, uh, you know, who was a big porn star. She's probably the same mm. age as me because she was in porn and very young, firm and supple when I was young, firm and supple. And I'm telling you what, man, her, she, I don't know if it's from plastic surgery or from sticking so much cocaine up her nose. She probably had to have her nose reconstructed several times. She looks like like a boxer, like somebody beat her face in or something. Uh, this one woman, Houston, that did the world's biggest gangbang, she's a plastic surgery nightmare. Uh, several of the guys that were from like the 70s and stuff like that, they're kind of fun to, to, to watch because they're just like regular guys. Randy West, who is the big uh, gentleman's guide, uh, uh. <laughs> he he was an interesting subject in that he um, is kind of a meathead. Like he's probably sixty-five years old or older, or maybe not. I mean, probably like in his sixties, and he's like flexing his has his shirt off, flexing his muscles, and he lives by himself. And he, you know, doesn't have any, and he just like, they showed him watching the TV and there were several times where he was talking about certain girls and he mentioned that, you know, he 
really liked him and he went on a date with him. And like, there was a couple of them that he actually went on a date with. Uh, and, and it's weird because they would just meet and have sex and then go out on a date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was a couple times where he said, you know, this one girl that she ended up marrying, uh, the, the bass player from biohazard, um, he really liked her, and he said they really hit it off and got along. But he tried to be—he didn't want it to be all about sex. So when they went on a date, he took her back to her room or whatever, and then just said goodnight. And he said then things kind of she went her separate ways. And he said, she, you know, maybe she thought, you know, what's wrong with him? But anyway, <laughs> there's some there's some good stuff in it, and there's some people that really you know have turned their life around. It was weird, you know. I'm sure it does suck because it it does fall. The one guy that would like hire him. Uh, he said when young girls come in or guys, he'd say, okay, what are you going to, I'm going to ask you one thing. What are you going to do 10 years from now when your mother or your father or whoever comes up to you and says, you know, that they saw you in this or have a magazine or something. He goes, this does not go away. It will follow you. But it's interesting. It's, yeah. it's all right. It's, it, it kind of gets a little long. Some of these documentaries I've been watching lately, I notice, um, I know that they, they probably want to get like an hour and a half time thing on it. Yeah. And it'll get to about an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, Jesus Christ, you're just saying the same thing over and over and over. That's that when, you know, early on when we joked that I hated documentaries, that, that was all, that's always my thing. After about 45 minutes, an hour, a little bit more, you start to be it's like, okay. Yeah. And it's it like a lot of documentaries can get done in an hour and they stretch yeah. it out to feature length. So I watched another one called asexual. It's about people that uh, basically are asexual. they, they really just don't have any interest in sex. Um, uh, there's a couple of them, you know, that would they would be in a relationship and uh, with another person, live together and everything, but you know, just really don't care about sex, don't want to have sex, have no interest in it. This was the same way. Uh, maybe I don't know, 45 minutes of it. I kind of got the gist of it, and then I was like, Jesus, okay, fuck a duck. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, that was that one wasn't that good. I just did not enjoy that one that much. I watched Commander Hamilton, which is a Swedish movie, uh, and the reason I watched this was because um, uh, Peter Stormare, who's in a lot of stuff, he was in um, oh geez, oh the movie about like Minnesota where they were killed. It was the Coen Brothers. Oh Fargo. Fargo, yeah, Fargo. It was North Dakota. South anyway. Dakota. South or is it North? I don't know. Who cares? I think it's Fargo, Same South thing. Dakota. It's just Dakota. They ought to just merge. They ought to get back together. Um, anyway, um, I just thought it was weird because he usually plays like a villainous character, but I like him. I think he's a good actor, uh, and he plays the hero in this, <laughs> and it's kind of an action movie. Uh, like uh, the Russians are trying to smuggle nukes into Sweden, and he's like a uh, – a commando or something like a James Bond kind of a guy. It was all right. Wasn't great. It's on Netflix since to watch. I watched, uh, the ambassador, uh, documentary, uh, that Sammy talked about on gentleman's guide, um, about this crazy fucker. Uh, all right. <laughs> it was good. Um, he goes into, um, uh, like the, where, where they have the blood diamonds in Africa and he's wants to become an ambassador. And it just shows how you can actually almost kind of like buy your way into being one. Again, these countries, nobody wants to go there because it's so dangerous and everything. And, um, it's, it is, there's parts of it that's funny, 
um, because he really plays the part of the kind of you know arrogant kiss ass guy who who businessman who no matter what they say is like oh that's wonderful that's fantastic because he wants their business or whatever. Um, it's you know like I said like they said you know this guy must have brass nuts because whew, uh, he's just I don't know I want to see the one where he goes to North Korea it, uh, it's it's he's he's a good filmmaker uh, watched Kill List on the recommendation of uh, the Make Piece uh, I think she said that she was put this at either number one on her year end list or right up there. And her recommendation was it has everything in it that I would want in a movie like this. <laughs> and so I rented it on iTunes and watched it the other night, and it's fucking good. Uh, it's not what I expected at all. Uh, has horror, horror-ish elements. And, uh, Horror. It's, yeah, it's, much, it's more than that. It's very good. So cool. have you seen that? I haven't seen it. Kill List? Okay, Kill check list. that out. Uh, different mo- different kind of movie. Um, I watched watched <coughs> Romero. Uh, this starring Raul Julia, and uh, I've watched a lot of movies and read a lot about uh, like El Salvador, Nicaragua. Uh, this is a good companion piece for Salvador, the Oliver Stone movie. Um, it's really good. It's about Archbishop uh, Romero, uh, who was the he was made. He was a priest in El Salvador. Uh, the Catholic Church made him the archbishop down there, and this was during all the times when, like, the death squads and everything were going around. And um, there's, it's, it's not really super graphic or anything, mm-hmm. but like when they go to these big trash dumps, you know, just like a trash dump where they come around, pick your trash up, and take stuff to the dump, and there's just skeletons and dead bodies and you know they take people out there and after they tortured them and raped them you know 50 times and just walk them out there and say okay turn around and shoot them and just leave them there there's just a lot of stuff like that it's it was such a horrible distasteful thing mm-hmm. uh one thing that um um uh, oh my back it's just me 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 fat i can't reach um <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It has a uh, Richard Jordan is in it, and uh, I was surprised because I did not know he was in it. And I had just watched, and this will be another thing that I watched for the umpteenth time because I have it on my iPad. Friends of Eddie Coyle, yeah. and he was in that, and he was fantastic in that. In this one, he's got a pretty major role in it, um, and he plays a, a, a Salvadoran, and he does a good job. You know, usually you take a, a, a Caucasian guy and and say, okay, you're going to play this, you know, Hispanic guy, and they kind of fuck it up. But he was pretty good. Um, I watched uh, Vanilla Sky with the Cruise, Tom Cruise, and um, Cameron Diaz. Uh, I remember really liking that one. I, I saw it in a, in a theater. I think it was a second run thing, though, but I really liked it. It surprises me every time I watch it because I forget every single time that Kurt Russell is in it. <laughs> he has a pretty good role in it. Uh, Jason Lee and uh, Penelope cruise um it's good you know it's it's a good movie great soundtrack and uh it's interesting uh some people didn't like it because they thought it kind of had a cop-out ending uh it kind of reminded me of like a philip k dick kind of a thing Mm -hmm. uh next thing i watched was another tom cruise movie a few good men um this is this is one of those movies that was it it is on tv and that's why i watched it and it's been on there so much and people have seen it it's become like a 
you know, a, a classic, I guess, in some ways. But now, because I can almost quote it word for word, uh, just watching it, I mean, Tom Cruise, his acting in it is just classic Tom Cruise, which is very easy to make fun of with the grinning and the, and the uh, repeating people like, you know, uh, oh, Eyes Wide Shut, I was watching that. And, uh, you know, the girl would say, uh, I think you're going to need to sit down. And he goes... I'm going to need to sit down and uh, listen, I've got something to tell you. You've got something to tell me. Um, you know, it's like, fuck, dude. And to be more, it was pretty bad. She's pretty brutal. Um, expired with uh, the girl from what was the fucking Tom Cruise movie that I think was a Philip K. Dick movie? Minority Report. The right. girl that laid in the vat of shit that was the precog or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah. god i can't remember her name in real life but she was the lead in this samantha she, mortensen or something yes, like that. and she was very good and jason patrick is in this and he is fucking so awesome it's very he's very funny and he is a dick <laughs> god damn it's good though it's it's a, it's a comedy uh-huh. but it's a dark comedy um, friends of Eddie Coyle, very good, very good. Um, uh, bringing out the dead with yeah. Nicholas Cage and uh, Tom I mean, Sizemore. I really, I've been wanting to watch this again for like a year, and I just, I, for whatever reason, I just never pick it up again. Well, one of the reasons I watched it is it was on Netflix Instant, mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't seen it in a while, and it's Scorsese. When I saw this in the theater when it first came out, I really liked it. Um, now, I shouldn't say I don't like it. Uh, Patricia Arquette's in it, too, and I think she's a cutie. And this was when they were either married or getting ready to get married or whatever, uh, her and Cage. Um, I kind of, after a while, okay, Goodfellas, Scorsese, it's like, he's like, okay, I'm going to make a movie. And this is fine, but I think after a while, it's like, do something different because yeah. it's like, okay, I I like this song. I'm going to put this in there. I like this song. I'm gonna put it. And like Goodfellas, he did that. And then he did it in this one. And then he did it in uh, the, the was it The Departed? Right. Uh, you know, where he just kind of plays, I don't pop. know. It's like just, pop music, sort of. Yeah, like, you know, the Stones and stuff like that, yeah. which I love the music. Yeah. But it just kind of gets like, okay, Scorsese, you know, you've already done this. Um, and... and a lot of people said it was very reminiscent of Taxi Driver. Um, I don't know. It, it's 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 worth a watch, but it, it's he does a lot of experimental shit, kind yeah, of. Like, yeah. uh, I was gonna say it's a little more surreal than. Taxi it's very Driver. surreal because yeah, where Cage is so uh, t- he's like he can't sleep, yeah. so he looks and the, and the lights are going by, and they do shit with camera, and he sees things moving really weird and funny. Um, now I watched uh, Charles Bronson in The Evil That Men Do. Um, this I saw this, you know, uh, probably when it first came out on VHS, mm-hmm. and right at the very beginning, it has a really disturbing torture scene because it's about a guy that is a professional torturer and like we were talking i was talking about the movie romero or el salvador he goes down to these uh you know these uh, these countries uh, dictators strongmen and stuff would pay him to torture people like political prisoners and shit like that and to teach his soldiers how to do it and it was really like i was like oh my god this is really gross and uh there's one part in it 
where Bronson, uh, he is a retired assassin, and they hire him to kill the doctor. Well, he um, there's one part where he is in this bar with this girl who's like part of his cover. They act like they're a couple in the South American country. And this great big guy comes over that's a cross between Giant Baba and El Gigante. He's got like Megaly. <laughs> he he's a Hispanic like guy. And he's got this great big head, and he's almost kind of like a giant. And uh, he starts flirting with Bronson's – not flirting. He's basically molesting her. He sits down in the chair when Bronson goes to the bathroom with her, and he starts like he's pawing her, and he's got his hands on her tits and everything. And she's supposed to be Bronson's wife. And when Bronson comes back, he goes, Jesus Christ, I leave you for two minutes, and you're already picking up another guy and all this stuff. You know? <laughs> and the guy's like, hey, you fucking pussy and everything. So Bronson pretends to be the – husband and he have, he grabs this guy by the dick like the guy's sitting there and he he knocks the guy back and he grabs him by the cock and then the guy's down on the ground and this guy must have a dick like a fucking uh i don't know like a goddamn one of those things that you lock your steering wheel up with <laughs> <laughs> the club and he's he's got his foot on the guy's throat and he's got two handfuls of the guy's dick and balls through his pain <laughs> Lifted the guy up off the ground, and I mean, this goes on for like what seems like five minutes. It's not five minutes; only maybe like a minute. But the guy finally passes out, and uh, it, it, that's it's funny. <laughs> it's, not, it's got some good Bronson shit in it. I watched uh, Justice League Doom, uh, which is on Netflix Instant Watch, um, and this is an animated Justice League. I thought I always saw the box and everything. I, it's on. It's in Blu-ray uh, at Walmart, and I thought it was just Batman. Mm-hmm. On the box, he's holding up his bat orang or whatever the boomerang thing. Yeah. I think, and in the reflection of that is the rest of the Justice League. Mm. So they're fighting the Legion of Doom, and I actually heard that uh, Hawk, the Road Warrior from wrestling, got. The Legion of Doom from the Justice League. So. Oh, I was getting ready to say, was it Hawk an animal? Yeah, that was it. Bane was in it, and he was much better than he was in that movie. Uh, <laughs> and I had brought that question up the other day. Um, about, about Tom I Hardy. Swear, Tom, they could have just not even had to. I like Tom Hardy, and I like just about everything he's in, but I think it was just kind of wait. They, I think they wasted money by because you couldn't see his face. They modulated his voice to where it could have been anybody's voice and and he's you know i don't know like i said bane is supposed to be like a hispanic i think and he's supposed to be like really huge like a goddamn bodybuilder and that comes into play with the movies we're going to review too but this was this was good uh uh, the justice league thing was good um it's uh this uh character cyborg i'd never really heard of him Mm -mm. and he and, and he kind of uh, is the new, new blood, mm-hmm. but it has a woman and uh, Green Lantern and everything. It was good. It, a lot of those uh, uh, DC um, animated things are really good. Uh, the movie thing should take a, a, a page. Now, from, I started watching the Superman Doomsday one, and the, I mean, as soon as I started, I was like, "Man, this animation look, kind of looks like shit." Like, uh, are they all like that? It looked kind of—I don't know. It wasn't. Uh, I have I saw that one, but it was a long time ago, so I can't really. It wasn't remember. really drawn. It didn't seem drawn all that well. It had one my friend was watching the other day that was on Netflix, and I can't remember what it was called. But it was uh, at one point um, in Superman comics, 
they had like Lex Luthor was in prison. Yeah. So a lot of the time Lex Luthor has this bright orange jumpsuit on, prison jumpsuit, and it was really critically acclaimed. And in this animated one that my friend Tim was watching the other day, it's sort of the same thing. And the actual animation looks like the art in the book. That's in that cool. book it's good. Um they'd probably just get different people to do yeah. it or cheesy or whatever some of them uh watch sugar hill which is this is a um, i didn't know what this was gonna be i thought it was just gonna be a straight up black exploitation movie oh right right but much like that jd's revenge uh it is a black exploitation horror movie uh and it's good i like uh, jd's revenge i like this one too uh this one has uh, it's kind of a revenge movie got a really hot chick uh and her man gets beat up and killed and so then she goes to George Jefferson's mother from the <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And, uh, I, I was like, who the fuck is that? And I was like, <laughs> and uh, they have like uh, zombies and shit. Mm-hmm. It really good. I, I really liked it. Um, I would buy that one. Wait, wait. Wasn't on Netflix since to watch. I could watch it anytime I wanted. Yeah. And this morning I watched Elmer Gantry, which is the. Uh, uh, but Lancaster won an Oscar for this. And I can see why. It's really good. I think there's a lot of people, and one of the reasons that I, I mean, I bought it a long time ago, and I knew it was his Oscar winning performance, and I never fucking watched it because I was like, yeah, I don't know. He's, he plays a preacher. Am I really going to like this? And then right at the beginning, right before the movie starts, it says like it's about sex and corruption and all this. <laughs> it's, it is not, I mean, if you haven't watched it because you think, oh, it's going to be like the fucking Ten Commandments or something, it's going to be preaching to you or whatever. It's about like how it's about like evangelists and stuff and con men and how they work people and you know. So it's not all you know, uh, you know the the old time religion shit. There's the stuff's in there because I remember hearing from a lot of these pro wrestlers, they really admired these. Fucking TV evangelists like Jimmy Swaggart and Ernest Ainsley and shit like that, because they said, you know, their pro wrestlers are all about the con yeah. and the you know working people and all the and marks and taking stuff from the marks, and they say that they admired the evangelists because they said that's the greatest con ever, and they get all these people's money without having to fucking get beat up and break their bones up like wrestlers do. But it's really good. And uh, Shirley Jones from the Partridge family is in it and she's fucking smoking hot. She's really, <laughs> and she plays a, a, a hooker. Uh, and um, it's just good. It's a good movie. It's long, but I mean, you know, it's a classic. I'm glad I watched it. Cool. I it was on VHS while I was trying to find Manhunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Is that, was that it? That's it. Awesome. All right. So, what's that? It's hair, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I still have. I when I when I get my hair cut, I wear. Uh, I'd kind of do the whole like fifties or, it was like a twenties like comb back, and now it's like a fifties comb back. But um, so I use this stuff, and the next morning the the that it's like this modeling clay something or other. But it makes my I, it's still in my hair the next day, so my hair will just be like all fucked up when I get out of bed. Giant blackjack mulligan mustache, a fuck <laughs> Leslie Cade pair of glasses, and a troll doll haircut. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, that's me. Me in a nutshell. Yeah, you're in a nutshell. <sighs> so um, what I've been watching this week. Oh god. <laughs> 
All right, so what I've been watching, man, sorry, I had to pause it and, uh, and make wee-wee there. Um, <laughs> the uh, So last week uh, we recorded, when did we record last week? We did a nighttime thing. So um, usually when we record at night and I, I'm editing the show, quote-unquote editing is really more just uploading, but um, I always put on a, I, I keep the Mill Creek up here in the official Silva and Gold studio which is our spare bedroom with a fucking 13-inch TV and an old-ass DVD, dusty DVD player. But I watched a, I watched a Mill Creek kind of random choice. Um, this week it was Treasure of the Tayopa. Uh, um, this was not <laughs> very good. You with the Mill Creek, and you're like, <laughs> I have seen some. I've seen some decent Mill Creeks, and this was... Not very good. It's kind of a kind of a group of people um, looking for a gold mine in Mexico. It's a modern. It's a pre, it's a it's set in current present day. It's like which is mid seventies. Um, this was yeah, it wasn't very good. There's like singing and narration in it and shit. And the the woman looked like somebody's just kind of just generic mom, but she was dressed like fucking what's her face from. Uh, from Faster Pussycat. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, the, the, the dark-haired uh, six. Yeah. And, uh, whatever. The, the half-Japanese lady. She, uh, this lady could not pull it off. Eh, it wasn't very good. Um, I watched, as part of my uh, 2012 movie, movie viewing, I finally watched The Avengers. Yeah. And this fucking ruled. Um, Captain America fucking rules. Yes, Captain America rules, and the Thor does not. Um, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will buy this. Um, this was just kind of a, a rental, but the I, I'll buy this one. Um, I was looking for it on Blu-ray. It's fucking sold out everywhere still. So I guess because of Christmas, but because it's good, it was really damn good. Um, this will if if. I know we probably won't do a show for it, but I, I like to do a top list of the year, and this will definitely show up in there somewhere. So, did you get a boner at the end? Um, no, I had already yeah. jerked off a couple times, so it was impossible at that point. Um, let's see, <laughs> <laughs> another 2012 that I was uh, hoping would be in the top list was Paranorman, uh, the animated movie. <laughs> eh, it was it was okay. I mean, I, I liked what it looked like, but. You need to have a kid if you're going to watch that. Don't watch that shit if you don't have a kid. Well, I don't know. I like animated movies typically, but yeah, I don't know. Come come in a Petri dish and sit it on the coffee table and watch it and then say, look, son, we're going to watch Paranormal. (laughs) Did you watch Paranorman? Fuck no. I don't watch that kid shit. (laughs) That's why I don't have kids. It was all right. Um... So let's I don't see. have to watch that shit. I, watched... so I don't have a girlfriend, so I don't have to watch that shit either. <laughs> Maybe soon. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. So for the first of the year, um, I was deciding what to watch. Uh, last year, my first movie of the year was Rango. This year, I watched Jim Jarmusch's Down by Law, which was uh, recommended last week by Tom Waits. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is this is pretty good. Tom Waits and Roberto Benini and another dude I didn't recognize, kind of doing their well. It was funny with them in prison, but I really liked when they escaped. And it's just kind of like this weird kind of road movie at this point through the bayou. Um, it was good. I I had never seen this one, so I'm glad I, I watched to, it. Yeah, I need to watch it. I like the Jarmish. Yeah. Um, 
and there's some it's, there's some good Tom Waits music in it. But I was hoping he would do the whole sound whole soundtrack. But there's just a couple songs I think. So at least one at the beginning. Um, I watched. Uh, this was kind of random. I, I read it on somebody's end of year list. Um, uh, Ruby Sparks with um, what's his name? And I said I liked him, Paul Dano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know what to think about this because they played it at the theater, or sorry, we played it at the theater when I was working there, and the poster looked really stupid. Um, it's like it looks like this romantic comedy, and it, and and when it comes down to it, it is. But it it had a little twist to it, and it was a lot like, cruder than I thought it would be. Not like crude humor, but lots of profanity and stuff like that. And basically, he uh, Paul Dano plays an author who he. He's got writer's block. He wrote this amazing like novel 10 years prior and hasn't written anything since then, but there's it's like the 10-year anniversary of it and he's still never released anything and people are still obsessed with this book. And he's, you know, they they establish that he slept with all these women just because they read his book in college and like it and when they meet him they're just like, "Oh, I love your work," you know. But he does, he wants he wants a girlfriend or whatever, but he basically like writes a girlfriend who all of a sudden appears. So it, well, that sounds kind of fucking. Well, and her name is Ruby Sparks, and it's like his perfect woman. But what ends up happening is when she become, you know, when she becomes her own tangible, she starts nagging him and stealing all his money. Well, well, that yeah, I mean stuff like that. Yeah, and so so he'll go upstairs and write something else, and she starts behaving that way. Um, it was it was all right. I mean, I didn't love it, but it's a pretty solid. Does movie. she have a, a really s- two sizes too small T shirt that says "sexy" across the <laughs> with her gut hanging out? Um, the uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like seven seven point five range for me. I liked it a lot. I mean, not a lot, but I liked it probably quite a bit. So, Dino. Um, I watched Savage Harbor. Um, I posted the po- I posted the poster of it on our group a couple weeks ago. Fuck, I didn't see it because I fucking quit the group. Oh, okay. The uh, <laughs> you're one of the four in a week. Um, the uh, this is the one. It looks like the it's I the poster's ripped off from the Nighthawks poster, another Stallone family movie. But this is Frank Stallone and Christopher Mitchum. <laughs> it's 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 bad good it's not very good though um it's it's like he frank stallone awkwardly rescues this prostitute from getting attacked in a car and uh they fall in love and you get to see frank stallone like making out with her and his face is so gigantic nice. and it's the the way it's shot it's like you can see her fucking you can see him fucking just like tongue in her face but the sun the sunset is like right in between so as soon as they like pull apart the sun is like beaming straight into the camera it's really awkward but uh you know it's everybody's bad in it and mitchum's got a pretty good mullet uh, i don't know it's all right um and the two movies for the show. Oh, and then I watched. Uh, I wanted to compare Lecters. Um, now I did not watch Red Dragon, which I I had seen once on video when it right when it came out on video back you know ten years ago or thirteen or eleven years ago. God, it it's came that out. long ago. Yeah. Um, I remember liking it then. As I said on the Facebook group, I was a lot dumber then, so I'm I'm curious what I would think about it now. I'd probably still be fine with it. I'm fine with a lot of stuff that a lot of people seem to hate so but um 
it made me it, it I liked it enough then to read the book and that was a book it was it was a book that I read in less than a week which I don't usually do. Mm-hmm. Um so I really liked the story but anyway I I watched I rewatched Silence of the Lambs. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. Um and this is I mean this has to be my top 10 in my top 10 movies. It's so good and really? the I I I really like, you know, there was kind of I guess debate on whether Brian Cox or Anthony Hopkins is better, but I mean this this is a uh, his performance, and this is an iconic character. This will be remembered uh-huh. for. I he's just so good, and I did, I never realized how little he's actually in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, now now and now Brian Cox was good, and we'll get to that. But man, just didn't use that Lecter character as much, and I know that was creative license on his part. And like I said, we'll get to that. But Cox could have been as good if he was in the movie more. He just didn't have enough time, but like I said, we'll get to that. Um, and let's see if this works. I watched one more movie. <laughs> I saw a movie. Django. And they they opened the film. They opened the film with this. I went to the theater. And watched Django. Is this the one about the lizard, Johnny Depp? Yes. The first movie of the year. No. I watched this on New Year's Eve, so I, I squeaked it in in 2012. Yeah, dig it. Uh, I went and saw Django Unchained. And it was fucking great. Um, it drug a little bit. It's a, in a three-hour movie, or two hours 45. It's bound to happen. Um, there's a, a little bit near the center um, when you're first introduced to DiCaprio, that drags a little bit, um, but it ends in a huge, huge way. How long Great is this motherfucker? Two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> it's a long It's a long one. God um, damn. <laughs> that might now, have just killed my date. <laughs> now, the I'll say this. That's a long movie. There is not a Tarantino movie I've seen that I have gotten kind of dusty-eyed in, and there's a mo- there's a couple moments in this that get God. got to me. Um, Jesus. Well, there's a part with the with and then you know the story already. It's Jamie Fox, his uh, Django, his wife and him have been separated. They're both slaves, and kind of it's their quest to get her back. And um, there's kind of a flashback with her getting whipped. Dude, it's it's brutal. Brutal. Yeah, it is. Um, and you know, I posted an article about her filming that scene. Um, her name, I can't. I've, I've already forgotten her name again. She's in some TV show, but um, Eliza Dushku. Yes, Eliza Dushku. Yes. In blackface is in this movie. What? No, I don't. No wonder Spike Lee hated it. <laughs> um. You know, she heard just her talking about being in Louisiana. They filmed it in Louisiana, but just being there and like hearing the sound of the whip and stuff. And like she talked about how the birds would just stop chirping and stuff and how kind of surreal <laughs> it was. And I don't know. It's, it's, there's some really powerful stuff in it. There's some really fucking, I mean, my wife leans to me at one point and she says, I thought this movie was supposed to be violent. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it just took off. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and you get to see a couple dicks in it. And, yes. <laughs> um, Can, I don't know. It's, you get to see the veins in his ass, like in Mandingo. <laughs> the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is fucking outstanding. 
Um, I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Some he, people don't. But he I is mean, gross. Know. He is a just a bastard. And there's a scene that I won't talk about because it's kind of spoilery. But yeah, don't say, don't tell. He he does something, and I knew it seemed like ass to mouth. Well, you know, you could assume that it was part of the scene, and maybe special effects. But I, as I was watching, I was like, I think that might have just really happened. And I, when I read up, it actually did. So, and you'll if you watch it, um, you'll probably realize the part that I'm talking about. But I won't talk about it too much. I'll wait until you see it, and we'll talk about it more. Yeah. So, you better go I see it. I would have went to see it today if we didn't see the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I, pl- I could have went yesterday. When are you planning on seeing it? <sighs> now, with, you're going to go with somebody, right? Sunday. Someday. No, I'm going by myself. No, dude, tired. no. Nah. I'm going to go see Cloud Atlas this week. It's at the why complicate year. life? A? Uh, go fucking Django. watch Django with somebody that wants to go watch Django. Share it. Share it. All right. That's it for me. Uh, let's take a break. We've been going on too long. Um, and come back. Do you, what do you want to do first? Um, let's do, since we already talked about it a little bit, we'll do Manhunter first. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Coffin John of V Cinema, the site that covers Asian film from cult to the classics. Join Josh of VariedCelluloid.net, Rufus of CineAwesome.com, and me on the V Cinema Show, a podcast that features Asian film discussions, special guests, interviews and live event coverage our podcast is published bi-weekly on mondays so check us out on vcinemashow.com or search us out on itunes also join the discussion and fun by following us on twitter at vcinemashow and joining us on our facebook page which is located at facebook.com slash vcinema and of course check out our blog at vcinemashow.com for reviews, features, and interviews. For you, buddy, keep your chin up. Um, so, first movie of the day, Manhunter from 1986, directed by Michael Mann, um, based on the Thomas Harris novel Red Dragon, as I stated earlier, uh, starring William Peterson, Kim Greist, uh, Joan Allen, Brian Cox, kind of starring Brian Cox, uh, Dennis Farina, and others. 
Um, an FBI specialist tracks a serial killer who appears to select his victims at random. Zom, you are the Manhunter Pro. Let's hear your thoughts on Manhunter this Pro. fine film. Um, I saw this Manhunter movie in 1986 in the theater nice. when it first came out. And I have a weird perspective looking, you know, with hindsight being, you know, 2020, 2040, something like that. Yeah. Um, when we went to see this, because this was back in the day when the mall was big, you know, mm-hmm. man, everybody go to the mall and hang out, go to Orange Julius and get a hot dog at their dog house and fucking drink a beer and watch Manhunter. So anyway... Uh, when we went to see this, you know, we used to. I think the the theater that we had had two theaters, and uh, that's the one that showed fucking ET for goddamn a year straight. One of them, and it pissed me <laughs> off. I don't give a fuck. I still have not seen that cocksucker. What? Ah, uh, fuck that movie, dude. They, okay, there's there's trailers right now for like the new Blu-ray. The trailer, mm-hmm. fucking, I get I get choked up. When fucking uh, no, no. ET says, "You got Ouch. choked up watching Django." You got choked up, fucking. You're gonna, you're gonna get choked brushing up. Brushing your hair. Um, you that was not brushed, by the way. Puss. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Manhunter. When we went to see it, um, you know, it's rated R. Uh, didn't know anything about it. Now, of course, nowadays, you know, you say this is okay. First of all, this is the first appearance of Hannibal Lecter who has become a goddamn icon, Mm -hmm. iconic character. Uh, so, you know, nowadays there's not too many people. It's Hannibal Lecter is a household word. Yeah. Um, uh, his character, but back then I had never read the book. My friend had never read the book, the books or anything, didn't know anything about any of this shit. So when we went in and watched it, it was like, okay, let's go see this movie. Uh, we didn't know what it was about or anything. And uh, the one thing that I noticed, you know, I was like, okay, well, I really don't know anybody that's in this movie. I mean, nobody. Now I look, at, you can look at the cast list now and say, okay, William Peterson, Joan Allen, Dennis Farina. Uh, there's a lot, of, there's people in it, um, uh, Stephen Lang. There's people in it that, if you watch movies, you know who they are. But back yeah, then, yeah. these people were relatively unknown fucking people. Yeah. Uh, and the subject matter of the movie was very confusing at that time because I remember specifically with watching it with my friend Jim, and we were like, well, what is this guy? Is he like supposed to be like a psychic or something? Because – we didn't know, and nobody knew at that time what a profiler was. Right. Or I guess that's what he is in this movie. You know, yeah. he he studies the evidence. He looks at pictures. He he basically tries to put himself in the mindset of what this killer is because of studying serial killers, learning about them. Uh, we thought that he was supposed to be this, – this was kind of futuristic or something, and he was supposed to be like some kind of empath or something where he could actually – have some kind of special powers where he could actually get into thinking like the person thinks, which is sort of what he does. There's no special powers. It's just from from uh, uh, you know doing the job so much and researching and shit like that. He tries to get to where he thinks like the people that he's pursuing. Now – when you start out in this movie, um, 
they start out very quickly with um, a brief glimpse of one of the killings, yeah. but just a very brief glimpse. Right. Uh, and then immediately uh, they go from this dark thing where uh, someone is like, it's a home invasion or somebody sneaks into somebody's house and uh, the woman wakes up in bed and then it and and is startled, looks up, sees somebody standing there, and it cuts away. So you ca- okay, you know that this has something to do with you know a killer or something like that. And then you go to the good guys, and um, they they never at first say why uh, or what's going on, but as uh, Jack Crawford, who is in Silence of the Lambs is played by Scott Glenn. And this one, it's Dennis Farina. Uh, and in Red Dragon is Harvey Keitel. Um, he's talking to, you, you know, he's talking to Will. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to get him to, Will Graham, and he's trying to talk him to coming back to work to work this case. Yeah. And, and you can tell by how Farina's talking to him, Graham's reaction, Graham's wife's reaction that something happened in the past that was bad. And I, I, I really like the way that, and maybe I might be reading into it because I knew the story already when I watched this, mm-hmm. but uh, I like the way that it was set up, like uh, stylistically set up because they're mm-hmm. sitting on the, on the beach and they're each of them on one end of a log and like, like driftwood or whatever. And, you know, Farina's facing the ocean and um, uh, Peterson is facing the back towards into the beach but the way the camera is set up it'll show when it when um when peterson's talking the camera is it's basically it's almost on farina's back and so you have peterson looking i mean he's all the way to the left of the frame and facing out of the frame like he's kind of like almost like he's running away and then you have you have uh, Farina, whenever it shows him, the camera is like sitting almost in, like right against uh, Peterson's chest. So you see his chest and Farina's all the way to the right-hand side, but he's facing inwards. Like he well, knows. it's kind of like one of those deals too where um, like if you're breaking up with someone or mm-hmm. you're telling someone something or asking them something that you don't want to yeah, yeah. and like you don't, like you look, you kind of stare straight ahead. Yeah. Peterson knows what he's there for. Farina is there to ask him this. He knows what the reaction is going to be. So he's kind of, it's like they don't want to look at each other. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I, you know, why are you asking? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I quit. You know, don't ask me to do this. You know, I don't want to ask you to do this, but I, we need you. It's not that I, I, if I, if there's any way I could, I wouldn't, you know. So anyway, um, you, you, in watching this movie, um, you know, I know that Will from Gentleman's Guide uh, has said several times that he's not the world's biggest Michael Mann fan. Now, he did say, you know, he likes some of his stuff, but he thinks that it, he's kind of, I don't know if he sort of said like he's kind of like a one-trick pony maybe, you know, and, and, and I, I look more to it because I like Michael Mann. I liked Heat. I liked, uh, Sarah, you know, uh, uh, oh, shit, the one with Russell Crowe and uh, Al Pacino about this, the, the tobacco companies and and uh, even, you know, oh, Tom right. uh, the, the Insider. That one was good. Yeah. Um, Collateral I like. I yeah. never saw Ali. I never saw – I've never even seen Last of the Mohicans. Um, 
Well, I just think he's he's he's. I think he's an auteur. I mean, he has a style, and this is this. He is doesn't a, direct very often. I mean, yeah, and this is pretty far back for him. So this is when he's developing his style. And we talked about it, you know, and what are we, we've been watching mm-hmm. about like Scorsese using that music and stuff like that. And and man is um, he definitely has a certain look. And like the music and some some slow mo and stuff like that 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 he uses in his movies. Well, I read something interesting too. The 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 same um, director of photography did mm-hmm. he? The, it's the same guy that did this and Red Dragon, yeah. even though they look completely different. Yeah, they do look completely different. That's one thing about watching those you know watching those two movies, comparing and contrasting them is is that they do look completely different. And if you watch this movie. Ooh, I felt like I was going to puke. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about uh, 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 whatever. I don't know what I was saying about. Um, if you watch this movie and compare it to Silence of the Lambs, in just the um, aesthetics, the the like uh, when uh, Jack Crawford is in his office, it's very L.A. to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. The clothing uh, and and man. A, a, a well, lot of it, like like heat, and a lot of those movies take place in in more like in California stuff like that. I think it might be like a lot of I know in reading some articles about this, the some of the big criticisms of it were the style and that it looked yeah. too Miami Vice. It it does look very Miami Vice. Yeah. Um. But like Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs as Scott Glenn, when you see his office, uh, it's it looks like you know a uh, an office that has peg board, you know, uh, uh, bulletin boards where he's got pictures of of uh, crime scenes and stuff all up all over, and there's there's all this information around. When you see Dennis Farina in his office, the walls are all white. The mm-hmm. desk, uh, the lamp on the desk is white. I mean, it's 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 very modern and stylized, very yeah. very stylized. Um, now and even. Uh, Hannibal Lecter's jail cell in Silence of the Lambs is almost like down in the basement in this like dungeon. Yeah, they got the, the exposed brick walls and yes. they have the, that's where they have the Stone. glass. And in this one, it's bright. Everything's bright white. There's a lot of that in this where mm-hmm. it's like all the walls are bright white. The lights are turned up. The bars in the cell are white. His uh, prison uniform is white mm-hmm. but we're jumping ahead that well, i'm just talking about the style it's the style of this movie and a lot of the style of the movie you see a lot of you know the of the time the mid 80s with yeah. the clothing the, the little <laughs> ugly you got, ass you got the synthy and i thought it was like a tangerine yeah. dream soundtrack although it wasn't but it got this synthy very 80s music and mm-hmm. peterson has this skinny beard and this skinny tie <laughs> skinny tie with the square end and everything um <laughs> let's see da, 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 da. now i will say this because of course you know, as we go over this movie, we're, we're you know a lot of comparisons with the other ones. Uh, I love Scott Glenn as Jack Crawford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Farina would be number two because I thought he was really good. And one of the reasons that I like him is, and I think this this says a lot about not only this movie, but I'll I'll say something about the next movie we watch too. Uh, he was like a fucking Chicago police detective in real life for like 30 fucking years before he became an actor or something. Karina? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so he knows his shit. Um, I feel like I've seen him in a Woody Allen movie or something. Has he been in a Woody, was he in like cri- uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors or something like I'm that? I'm not sure. He was in the one with De Niro and Charles Grodin. 
and uh, uh, what's the one where where De Niro's the bounty hunter and he catches Groden? Midnight Run. Um, anyway, but whatever. And he was on that show Crime Story, and uh, he was on Law and Order there for a while. He's been in a lot of shit. Yeah. Uh, he was actually his first movie he was in was Michael Mann's Thief with James Caan. Nice. Uh, and he played just kind of a heavy. He didn't really have any speaking parts. I don't think in it. Um, I, I like the, even though the music, like you said, is. I thought it was something like Tangerine Dream or something like that. Um, I like it because it kind of, there's several parts where it's almost just like this synthy humming sound. Yeah, yeah. And it gets more intense as something is ha- going to happen and then it kind of comes down. He uses the music well, whereas like, okay, now I hate to say this because this is like one of your favorite fucking movies, but the movie Drive, yeah. where they're they're copying this style. Yeah. And yeah. I even said, you know, I thought that um, that movie, even like Will loves Drive and he loved the movie The Town. And I'm like, I thought The Town had a lot of stuff in it that was similar to Michael Mann's Heat uh, with the gunfight and stuff like that and them robbing these places. And I thought Drive has a lot of Michael Mann st- style in it. Um, I need to watch Heat again. It's been probably since you need that to movie. watch Drive again. That is true. I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> Let's see. Um, there, like I said, when we first watched this, we didn't know what was going on, and you see Will um, go into these people's houses and stuff, and and. It's not. When, it's not very procedural. He goes in with no lights on. Right. Like at, he enters as, and now the the killer who they di- who they dub Tooth Fairy. They he enters as the Tooth Fairy would have entered the house. But you see him, um, like he's sitting there talking to himself, mm-hmm. and he's and and even when they're sitting on the beach and Jack Crawford is trying to talk, convince him to come back and work this case. One of the things that I remember when we first watched it that was, like I said, was kind of confusing was um, he hands him a picture face down. So you as the viewer are only seeing the white back, plain white back of this picture. Right. And you're like, holy shit, what's this going to be? Because he just like looks at it and he's like, I don't want to look at it. You know, He's like, just look at it. And then when he turns it over, you know, his reaction, and you expect to see this horrifying crime scene. And all it is is a picture of this family, yeah, like a family photo. And uh, so, but then as you go on, you 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 start to find, you know, realize what he does and everything. So uh, when he's looking at this family, and he first of all sees, you know, looking at a family photo, even if somebody says, "Hey," on the news, they say, you know, this family was all killed in a fire or a car wreck, and they show a family photo, it makes you feel like shit. But he has that. Uh, because he's looking at these little kids' faces and everything and the proud parents, and they're all happy knowing that they got butchered. But then in his mind, because of his training and everything, he starts looking at them like a killer. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I looking at here? What am I seeing? You know, da-da-da-da. Now, Stephen Lang is in this, and he's – I'm a big fan of his – and watching him in this is 
it's weird because you're going back so far and he like okay I just watched Avatar last week he looks week. so much different he plays such a badass in that and he's all muscular and he's like a marine and everything and in this he's a fucking douche and <laughs> his hair is absurd yes he's got like a Oh, that's like 80s pop star hair. And he's such an obnoxious asshole. And he is kind of a he's – a, he's a tabloid reporter. And he, I guess, had uh, reported on uh, – they, they lead you into – you know he's going after this guy who's killing these people. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, then through the Stephen Lang character, uh, you start to develop – Will Graham's past, uh, and then they, that's when they introduce uh, Hannibal Lecter. Um, so, because uh, Lang's character had covered the story, uh, because this this the, you know Hannibal Lecter would be like you know when Charles Manson and all that shit was going on, or Jeffrey Dahmer, or, or Ted Bundy, or something like that. So it was like a national story because it was so yeah. horrific. And Will Graham was part of the story, and. Um, um, Stephen Lang's character is the kind of guy that he doesn't spare anything, any of the gory details. He reported on everything. Uh, and so uh, Will Graham hates him. And so then he's, he's always trying to provoke a reaction, which in one part I, sa- I said, you know, Will Graham must have fucking Hulk strength because it looked like he just <laughs> lifted uh, Stephen Lang up and slammed him on the It was a total flip, like he was head over heels. Yeah. Um, Wait, that is head over heels is a weird saying. I just head over heels. I'm a, it was a heels head, over head. Well, but something like that. He was completely upside down. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Now, so and it's got to be said the Freddy character that Lang plays. It's it's like it's a tabloid. It's not just a newspaper. It's like the National Enquirer. It's yeah, real trashy. Real super, and he's trashy. Yeah. Um, now, paparazzi. You, yeah, you you don't like I said since. You know the story and everything. Going and watching it, okay, you know, okay, as soon as they say, I'm going to go talk to Hannibal Lecter, you have a certain um, idea of what this guy's going to yeah. be and everything. When we first saw it, like I said, didn't even know who Hannibal Lecter was, didn't, don't know any of the story or anything. We just know he's going to see this guy. And he goes in, and um, like I said, the, the whole jail cell, it reminded me, I have a book called Hot House, and I've, and I've read a lot about. Um, you know some of the prisons and stuff like that, and this one guy was a a member of Aryan Brotherhood and uh, a, a guard, uh, and he, this guy was known to be uh, all he did like all day long was pull ups, push ups, deep knee bends, thousands and thousands and thousands all day long. So he became he's almost like a, a, a like, like Bronson. Like an athlete, yeah, yeah, like a <laughs> Superman, you know, yeah, like like yeah. Captain America with the the super strength and everything, and he had a contentious uh, thing going on with this guard. Well, then eventually, uh, him and this other guy plan, and they killed two prison guards, um, and where they, I think, Hannibal Lecter's at least this part in this movie, remind and in the other ones reminded me of this guy, um, and. Because when he killed the two guards, that's the first time that anybody had killed a guard, and they wanted to make an example out of him. So they put him in this cell, which is sort of a cell inside us. Uh, it's like a big – there was like a big room, and they had a big cage inside the room with uh, like a cell inside a cage 
the lights stay on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like in uh, Silence of the Lambs, uh, they have a TV on that just plays all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one will speak to this guy. He's in solitary confinement. The guards are, to- are out of solidarity for the dead other guard. Um, won't speak to him. He has no human contact. And that's um, uh, Tommy Silverstein. And uh, he has become like a famous artist because he paints and everything. Uh, so they kind of got some of that stuff, I think, from that. And uh, a lot of human rights groups say it's it's cruel and inhuman that they don't turn the lights off and everything. And like I said, that he's he you know whether he can break handcuffs or I don't think he broke the handcuffs. They had yeah, set yeah. set up where somebody handed him a, a handcuff key and he got out of it. But um, so anyway, there's a certain amount of realism as far as that goes. Now in this one, at first you don't in in Silence of the Lambs you get more of a of a feeling of Lecter being a monster. Yeah. Because when Clarice goes in there, she's she's warned of all these things. Where they build up the fact that this guy is like this super intelligent, super monster guy. Yeah. They have they have him behind uh, plexiglass instead of bars. So he can, uh, yeah. So he can't even reach through and yeah. He yeah, can't they, they stay away from the glass and you know. And, and even when she goes down there, the way he's just standing there, it's almost reptilian. Uh, and and he he just stands rigid but, and just moves his eyes and everything. Uh, where in this case, it's um, you know he's laying on the bunk. Now when when uh, Will comes in, he does you know he's like he knows it's Will before he even rolls over because right, he's like right. that's the same cologne that you had on before. Blah 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 blah. But you don't to me you don't get as much of the the fear thing other than Will's reaction when he starts fucking with him. Yeah. Because at first they're almost just like talking, like okay, you know, I want you to look at this, okay, da da da, da kind of a little bit of a cat and mouse thing, but the whole time, um, Will's trying to keep it together because if you've read the book or seen the other movies and stuff like that, you know what ha- happened to him, mm-hmm. and he's actually just trying to be calm and normal, not get he's no selling lector. Yeah, in the book they're. And in the in the Red Dragon movie, there's a it's the the flashback yeah. of Will like Will is who brought Lecter in yeah and in the book you get the flashback to what actually happened in this one it's handled a, it's handled a little differently mm-hmm. um, I think better or worse is probably up to opinion but um, it's more understated in this yeah and in some ways. Um, in some ways, I like this uh, sort of better. It, it, I shouldn't say it because both, I think, are good. But I think in this one, the Lecter character is a lot more understated. And just a, he is a, a pivotal part of this movie. Yeah. But he's not the whole all-consuming thing. Right, right. And the, 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 this is as... And, Maybe maybe this is you know man wrote this movie he adapted that the the book for this I believe so what um what we have is the focus because Red Dragon is a story that ha- it is about Will and Lecter and this one it is all Will right. and Lecter is kind of like almost like a, a other side of his personality is right what, yeah and, 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 and I think that that um. I think that 
uh, oh, what the hell's the, the goddamn uh, Thomas Harris? Mm-hmm. Once Silence of the Lambs became this mega hit, then he just kind of got went off on like a Hannibal Lecter superstar, super monster, uh, household word kind of a thing. Because right. I, the, the next one that Julianne Moore was in the movie, I read that book, and then also the the pre that movie, that movie wasn't very good. <laughs> the, the the prequel when he's young actually from what I remember of the book Hannibal is from the book Hannibal. Cause I remember a lot of the stuff that happened in that movie where he's a young kid and it shows how he becomes that was part of the book Hannibal. But like I said, then by then uh, Thomas Harris, everybody wanted to know more about Hannibal, more about Hannibal. So he just created this, this goddamn almost omnipotent monster yeah. or something. And then it kind of got unreal. But in this one, like you said, I, you were right on about it. It's, it will is uh, the one thing that I like is when uh, uh, he goes to see Hannibal and then Hannibal is a trained psychiatrist and will is a trained profiler. So it's kind of like a, 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 a tug of war mm-hmm. uh, of will trying to no sell Lecter, but Lecter pushing all these buttons. Yeah. And at one part, the one line that I really liked is uh, as Will, he's starting to get to Will, he and Will leaves the the where the 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 cell is. Uh, Lecter shouts to him, you know, uh, you're here. Like he says, you're here to get to to. Uh, you're not you're not here for my help. You're here to get the scent again. And he says, if you want the scent, smell yourself. Yeah, and so I thought that was really you know kind of. Uh, <laughs> let's see um, the one the one guy I think that uh, there's the part where Will's going to the houses of these people that were killed. Now, um, like one is still kind of a crime scene, but then there's there's a a couple of the other houses that they've been you know totally cleaned up. The the the, the crimes have happened you know weeks or months ago. They're totally cleaned up. The people are trying to sell them. And the I guess realtors takes him to this one house, and the guy that's the the realtor guy is a, uh, one of the guys that was on Miami Vice, not Don Johnson or Tubbs, but one of the one of the other guys. Um, let's see, and Dennis Farina, like I said, he was on uh, Crime Story, which was a Michael Mann TV show, also, mm-hmm. uh, which was a big hit. Um, let's see. Ta-da-da-da. They have a uh, – and I forgot about this because, like I said, uh, at the time when I watched it, I didn't know any of these characters. But the, uh, Dr. Chilton is a lot more of a, uh, uh, a recognizable character from Silence of the Lambs because he's the one that has Lecter incarcerated and kind of fucks with him. Mm-hmm. And he's actually in this one, but he doesn't really have that big of a part um, other than, you know, hey, we found this toilet paper in a cell, uh, you know, and he calls them to, to come and get it. There's a lot of procedural stuff in this, uh, forensics procedural stuff, yeah. uh, which, you know, a lot of it seems pretty realistic. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, the scene with the toilet paper, that's a, a great, like, there's a couple of scenes in a row where it's really good tension building because it's a, it's a race with the toilet paper stuff. Um, and I won't say why. And then there's a the scene yeah. like it's kind of like, and I swear I heard somebody say it, but there's a jogger running in slow motion. Yeah, I swear somebody yells, "Why are you running in slow motion?" or something <laughs> like that. Did you hear that? No. I, somebody yelled something about something being in slow motion. I'm like, wait, are they fucking with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Um, 
Did you see Chris Elliott? Yeah, Chris, okay. El- Chris Elliott. I mean, that dude has, I mean, besides gaining a little weight, he's looked the same since the fucking like, 80s. But I mean, it's just like so out of the blue that <laughs> they have all these people sitting around this, this uh, these FBI uh, forensics people sitting around this room and they're talking, okay, we did this, we these fingerprints, this and that. And look over and here's fucking Chris Elliott just sitting there just playing it uh, just straight as can be, which was great. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I like the one scene and they just, I mean, this was just a natural human reaction uh, where they're going to use Lowndes, uh to try and uh, get the Tooth Fairy to, to come out yeah. uh, to, to attack or whatever. And so they're telling him what to put in his paper, and they're dicta- Will is dictating it to Lowndes, and he says uh, to tell him uh, to, to put in there uh, he may have had sexual relations with his mother, and Crawford fucking just a natural reaction just starts just fucking laughs, and then when they look at him, he just stops because you know, it's just a fu- it seems funny to him, and then he realizes, okay, this isn't funny. Okay, now the movie is sort of broken up into th- to thirds, I think. You know, the, the the first part is Will, and you get Lecter introduced, but like I said, he's not that huge of a part, so it's mostly just the build up with. With Will on the case, he's on the scent, he's yeah. on the hunt, he's the manhunter, and then you it, it shifts and um, uh, to the actual killer, right. uh, Francis Dollaride. Now the tooth fairy. Yeah. Now from the book, uh, they did this twice, um, and like I said, we were talking about uh, Batman with Bane. Um, in the book, Francis Dollaride is supposed to be a bodybuilder. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, he's supposed to be huge. He's yeah. supposed to be really tattooed. Right. And they focus a lot on his teeth. Yeah. They said even though he was like 40 years old, that he could still be like a competitive like bodybuilder. And, uh, and he had had a cleft palate yeah. uh, when he was younger. Uh, they don't go – now, in the – one with Ed Norton and Harvey Keitel, they go into a lot of detail about his past and why he is the way he is. They kind of forego that. Um, Will sort of hits on some of the stuff because they say, you know, well, what do you think about this guy or whatever? And he says, um, like as a kid, I want to hug him because of all the shit that he, all, the abuse that he suffered, he you know he doesn't know this stuff. He's just because of a profiler. He's thinking of why the guy is the way he is. But he said, as an adult, you know, I think somebody should put a bullet in the fucker's head and put him away. Um, but in both this movie and in Red Dragon, I don't know why. Now I know they get you're going for um, having a good actor because. Um, or what? Noonan. Noonan. And Noonan, Noonan uh, you know what's weird? He looks like a fucking creep, and which yeah. is, he's well cast for that. He, yeah. um, when they say in the movie, it's a guy in his mid-30s, I'm like, there's no fucking way Noonan is in it. He looked like shit. He really was in his mid-30s. He was like 36 when he did this movie. He's, he's, he's really tall, and uh, he has a really, almost like an alien-like look. Mm-hmm. So instead of going... F- or the the big bodybuilder kind of look, he they go for more like a lurch, 
from Adam's family kind of looking up. <laughs> and uh, well, they, they do imply at one point that he's super strong because he lifts somebody off the ground with his just right. like with just his two hands like by his face basically. And because yeah. you, all you see is feet and you see the one guy's feet just kicking around. So and they try and do that to some extent with Ray Fines in uh, Red Dragon because they show him lifting weights and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he's still like it's like okay, you know, Ray Fines is not that big of a guy. He you know yeah. they, they they kind of tried to lead you that way but i always thought to myself why don't they just get a guy who's i'm sure there's got to be somebody out there who's they're probably an unknown but you know somebody who's big and you know (laughs) now with noonan like i said because he's he seems like he's really tall he like i said he kind of almost has that alien like uh uh strange big weirdo lurch like kind of strength i guess uh so anyway um Apparently, the backstory was, you know, that he, as a kid, was abused. Uh, then put in a, uh, he had a, a cleft palate. He was put in a foster home. Uh, then raised by his grandmother, who abused the shit out of him. Um, then I think she died, and he went back into a foster home. Then his mother and her boyfriend or new husband started raising him. They abused him. Uh, he went into the military. He had broken into somebody's house or something so i think it was a deal where you're either going to go to jail or you're going to the military so he went in the military uh when he was over there they they led in the book or something to believe that he had maybe killed or committed murder when he was in like japan Mm -hmm. he had a couple sets of teeth made because he had his cleft palate fixed uh in his mouth and then the plastic surgery in the front he had a couple pairs of teeth made one was uh a regular set of teeth um uh, dentures that were just normal yeah. and then he had another pair that were real, like jagged and uh like almost animal like yeah. but he they said that he had that made to look like his grandmother's teeth and i remember the, something about in the book about him biting a block of cheese or something yeah like that's and, how he kind of left his trademark was well, not put in the tooth fairy because he he would actually he would bite into his victims right uh, he bit lounge lips off <laughs> Yeah, that's not funny, but I mean that's kind of weird. Um, and uh, like I said, throughout this throughout this part, um, you don't even see Graham hardly at all now because you're you're in Francis Dollaride's life. Yeah, uh, he is definitely a voyeur because he works for a photo company, and that, and uh, uh, he. That's sort of how he. Not yeah, sort we, 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 we don't get don't get too yeah, much yeah. into why why how that plays yeah. because that is part of the plot. So let's see. Um, now there's one part where, um, Will has a line. He just says to himself, uh, uh, "Just you and me now, sport." And I thought that was kind of cool because that was kind of like almost like I almost got like douche chills. It's <laughs> kind of like, come on, motherfucker. Well, yeah, He's not w- talking to anybody. He's Will just talk- talks to himself a lot, like yeah. out loud. I like that about him. Like wh- wh- where this this movie, I, d- I do feel like it. Wh- Brian Cox is really good, but I feel like it misses on using a little more Lecter. And I feel like it misses a little bit on um, the Francis Dolaride character just making him a little more like, I like how they have him be, uh, you know, the present day stuff. If we Uh, knew a little more about him, I think it could have been more interesting. Well, do you think that if you had never seen silence of the lambs and didn't know anything about the character, would you miss out on the lector stuff? Well, I I think so because I want to, I want to see more of him. 
but well, because we focus, we focus a lot, and this is where this is where the movie excels. It, we focus a lot on on Will and his ability to get into the mindset, and that's what makes this so interesting. Which I think I don't know. I don't like. I said it's been so long since I've read the book and seen the Red Dragon movie that I don't remember how they focus on it then. Well, I almost kind of like uh, this is very comparable to Silence of the Lambs, whereas this is Will Graham's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Silence of the Lambs is Clarice Starling's story, and. This it, when you look at the structure of this, it now they didn't show as much James Gum as they did Francis Dalride, but I don't think. But that's to me is because there's not as as much of a story there. He was he was crazy. He was a killer and stuff like that. But um, with Dalride, the there was more of a story with you, him. You, you start to you start to feel you start to feel for him. Right. Well, and they inject Joan Allen's character into it, so you have that uh, where you didn't have that with James Gum. He was just basically uh, fucking Leatherface. You know, yeah. he wants to make a suit out of fucking so he can have a sex change or something. Yeah, and and I don't mean I don't mean to say that we need all of his background, like why he became as he did. But right. if we had a little more on his, because like there's the whole thing in the book with him, like being obsessed with the red dragon painting and all that yeah. stuff. And you don't get any of that in this. Well, you do. Well, you don't know. They talk to that about extent. it briefly. Yeah. But I mean, he fucking like eats it and everything in the book. But, <laughs> <laughs> and the, but in this, it's like, if it's we were get, getting the shits, <laughs> yeah, I just ate a 200 year old watercolor. <laughs> the, um, he, if we were given just a little bit more of his present mindset, as opposed yeah. to him just being kind of just creepy. The fucking, I love that they kept the pantyhose thing in both because yeah. that is one of the creepiest fucking things I've ever seen. It's not a pantyhose mask that goes over his whole face. It's only down to his nose. So it's like this weird like condom top. Oh, it looks horrible. When he has Lang in his house, uh, yeah, that, that you talk about and fucking Jesus Christ, something that would make you piss your pants. <laughs> uh, now, um, Joan Allen in this, we always say, my friend Randy and I, especially him, I think he's got a thing for her. You know, she's in like the Bourne movies and stuff like that, and she is definitely a MILF. She's yeah. de- she's a GILF probably now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we always said, Jesus Christ, Joan Allen's still fucking hot. And boy, she's young as shit in this. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't even realize until we were going to review this and I started looking at the uh, filmography and the, and the cast, I didn't realize it was her. And I was like, holy oh, shit, yeah, who's yeah. Alan in this? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, she's young. Um, let's see. There's, well, I don't want to go into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- there's one part in this that, um, and this is just an observation. Uh, it's like uh, when they have in movies the uh, stoic uh wise old african-american man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's uh you know beyond reproach or whatever um uh, in a, most movies someone who is blind they're usually portrayed as you know uh, nice and angelic yeah. and stuff like this well even when you're a blind angelic woman you know <laughs> uh, sometimes you like to suck some dick <laughs> and and 
just because you're blind doesn't mean you can't be a two-time and fucking whore. <laughs> well, well, that no, no, that's a really no, great no, scene no, because you kind of led to believe one thing, but then you kind of contrast it with what might actually be happening. It's and, just from somebody's perspective. Yeah, and the oh. lighting is fantastic in yeah. that scene because. Oh, I, and again, I won't get into what you're seeing, but I, I, I like the contrast and like the porch light basically is huge at one point, almost like exploding into the camera. Then the next is almost dark and it's, it's good. I thought the use of a certain classic rock song, mm-hmm. very fucking well done yeah. because man, I'll never hear that song again. You know, and think of, you know, that song the same way. And I, and I just tore three pages of notes out of my notebook and I'm throwing them <laughs> in the trash can. So if you have, I had some other stuff, but well, like it's the, getting down to the nitty gritty and the, I didn't want to fucking talk about some of that stuff. Yeah. The end of this, I, they, he took some creative liberties again with yeah, the end of this. That a little bit. Now, I might like this ending better than the actual book um, because the book was like, uh, okay. Um, but they focus more in the book on, on the communication between Lecter and uh, Dolaride, which I appreciate, which they kind of, they, they touch on it a little bit, but there's some, there's some, there's more to it in the book, which I thought was pretty good. But the, um, as far as the, you know, the ending of this, I might like the way this ends better. Yeah. Um, especially the, especially the style of it. Yeah. The other one, I, it was one of those things where it, it, well, especially I didn't read the book, but in the movie with Ed Norton, mm-hmm. um, now that the, the movie, as far as I remember, followed the book pretty, pretty much pretty straight close. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I just, I, I like the ending of this one better. And, and it, it, um, I mean, Jesus Christ, this, this is a, like a two hour movie. So, I mean, yeah. if they would have, have done if they would have explored like they did in the other movie mm-hmm. Dalt rides past oh yeah we'd be we'd be Django unchained <laughs> it, it would have been like three hours yeah. now I, I don't know how long red dragon was i will say this i and i and like i said i think you know maybe maybe it's because i had seen this and because i had seen silence of the lambs I have a little bit of a thing with Ed Norton now because I get tired of his whiny ass. <laughs> uh, a lot of times in movies, he just he plays he just he in, it's like for, it's, in, it's a little over two hours. Well, in this one, Peterson uh, is a uh, damaged person, mm-hmm. but he is also a professional, and he gets back into it. And he is like you said, like you know, when they say manhunter, he is. He wants to put this guy down. He is, it's almost like a, you know, I, I don't want to say like Captain America, but I mean, he's fighting yeah. for something. You know, he's, he's here. He, it's, it almost is like he has a superpower in some ways that, and that he wants to get this guy and bring him down. And I just thought Ed Norton just, I mean, he just comes off like such a whiny fucking bitch <laughs> sometimes. And I really did not like that movie. And even like, I like Harvey Keitel as an actor, but comparing him to Farina or Scott Glenn, he's definitely the, out of the three, he's number three out of, uh, compared okay. to two. The, um, what, what, I already said this, but the, um, I like the Will, the character development of Will a lot <laughs> in this. Um, and I also like the style that I mentioned already too. The, um, you go like, wildly stylistic at times where there'll be like an entire room will be blue and then all of a sudden it'll be red. Right. Um, I really, I, I, I like that, that choice. Now, a lot of the things like that date the movie a little bit. It uh. looks like an eighties movie, but you know, that's, 
you know, the book was written in 81. I mean, it takes place around that time. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay that it looks like that. Um, now I noticed some weird editing and I don't know if this was accidental or intentional, but in the grocery store, there's a scene with Will and his son. Um, and this is kind of where they cover the back, the backstory between Peterson, uh, between, uh, Will and Lecter, but right. They, you can, you get a, you get a, you see that at first they're walking, but then all of a sudden it flips, it fl- it flips back and forth between their two faces, and they're in a grocery store. Now the the things behind Peterson all of a sudden change, like he, in a, in one moment now he never stops talking, but in one moment he's got cereal behind him, and then it flips back again, and there's like canned fruit instead of the cereal. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Because at first you saw him walking, but then there was no, then they stopped. The kid stops. It was surrealism. I don't know if it, I don't know, maybe they were doing, I don't know if they were doing it on purpose. It seemed like a weird thing to leave in there. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it was just the best take in, in, of, in front of the canned fruit. Mm. But the, um, the, there's a scene with a tiger. Now, this kind of doesn't really follow much of the, it's not really spoiling anything. It's not really a plot element, but that tiger was incredible, man. Yeah. Can you <laughs> but, imagine being able to do that? God. You know? Fucking been, I mean, huge. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know that if I'd a, come in my pants, but. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I'd be allergic to a tiger. Um, I'm allergic to cats. I wonder if I'd be allergic to a tiger. Um, the uh, I like the the quote. We tried sodium amytal on him three years ago to find out where he buried a Princeton student. Gave him a recipe for potato chip dip. Yeah, and it made me want potato chip dip. <laughs> that, like I said, just those little subtle things like that uh, built the Lecter character in my mind yeah. uh, uh, th- more than I think even in Silence of the Lambs like you had posted something about the thing with Napier I mean that's one thing about that movie is it, it, this movie would be more like Hitchcock where they don't yeah, have to yeah. show you everything and in, in Silence of the Lambs was more you know slasher blood and guts because yeah. I mean t- to show those visuals I mean yeah it was horrifying and shocking but they, I mean Sometimes I do think less is more when that's where that's concerned. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I forgot in Silence of the Lambs how early, like that's before the movie's even half over. Lecter's kind of taken out of the. It becomes completely Buffalo Bill and Clarice yeah. at that point. So, um, the uh, but Cox is great in it. Like I said, I just I, I just I wanted more. And being a Lecter fan, I just wanted a little more. Yeah. Will oh yeah. Yeah, I did too. To, and uh, he's he's very confrontational, but very calm. That's what makes yeah. him so creepy. And he just sits there, just like deadpan staring, and like you know, been dreaming much lately. That kind of shit. And um, now this this movie did not. It was not successful. No, it was success. It has become like a cult film. And it has a big fan following, yep. but it didn't make its money back. And um, I think, like I said, I think because of. Nowadays, if they would have re-released it with everybody knowing what profilers are and everybody serial killers and all this stuff being a big thing, I think it would end the cast. But you mm-hmm. take okay, you have Michael Mann, who is you know at that time more or less a TV guy, uh, and you have a cast of nobodies at that time. I mean, there's nobody in it that at that time was, was a star at all, star. yeah, and. Uh, and William Peterson is the star. Yeah, I don't even know if he ever was a star. Like William Peterson to me, like he's good he, in this. I, I really like when he would sit there and watch the videos and kind of like yell out loud. Like, and it's, yeah. you know, you kind of laugh at it now, like how angry he gets. Yeah, that's what you did, didn't you, you bastard? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know about, and I, I took this note into Live and Die in LA. 
I don't know about his range. Right. He. He's I don't fine. know if he's a leading man. He, right. in, the, in the couple of movies that he, which are the ones that we're doing, uh, that he has given the leading man thing, he does a good job. But I don't think you know it looks. They feel, uh, the, they feel kind of the same. Like he, yeah. his angry and his calm just seem like the same thing with different volume. Yeah, but he's fine. I like him, but you know, I, I don't. It's not that one's not going to be a memorable performance. Right. It's a memorable character, but not maybe maybe not a memorable performance outside of the kind of laughing at him, getting angry at his tape recorder and that stuff. And mostly after after those these two movies, he plays like a, well, he played Pat Garrett in Young Guns too, which was a fairly big part. I mean, that's the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Coburn part from Pat Garrett, and I just spit Pat Garrett and Billy <laughs> the Kid. But then most of the other stuff is just like a. You know, smaller parts, and then he had his big success on TV on yeah. CSI. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, we can get into our ratings here. I don't have a lot of. I, don't yeah. I will give this movie. Mm. 8.25. Oh, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I give it an 8. Um, I didn't know what to expect, uh, but. Now, this is your first time? This is my first time seeing it. Um, I mean, I knew what to expect story-wise, right. so I was actually surprised at some of the things that were changed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I went over what I wish was different, and that would, you know, bring it down from being a fan, like a great movie. But this is really, really good, and um, I give it an 8 also. Or, you know, you said 8.25. I give it an 8. Yeah. So, awesome. And, Rob, thank you for the suggestion, and we'll get to your other Gosh. one momentarily. That being To Live and Die in L.A. We'll take a break and be right back. G-G-T-M-C Live For you Fresh yeah Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service Breaking films down and turning them around Giving recommendations that are always on point Visit GGTMC.com for more information The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema Bringing class to the trash since All right. That was Jim's choice this week. I was lazy with the music, so I got everybody to pick our music for us. Uh, so our next movie of the day. I'm going to rhyme it here. Next movie of the day, To Live and Die in L.A. From 1985. Zon, would you like to synopsize? I will do that. A fearless secret service agent will stop at nothing to bring down the counterfeiter who killed his partner. (laughs) This is uh, directed by the legendary William Friedkin. 
Um, starring, again, William Peterson, who's obsessed in chasing down motherfuckers. Uh, Willem Dafoe making a return to the show. It's been a while. When's the last one? I guess, was Streets of Fire the only other one we did with him? I think so. And uh, John Turturro looking all hairy in there. And Dean Stockwell. Robert Downey Sr. Um, you so, just made me think that what this movie would have been like instead of William Peterson in the lead role if it would have been Michael Perret. 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 Hip, hip, Perret. <laughs> um, Friedkin, you know, also known as we recently talked about Killer Joe, but um, uh, French Connection, Exorcist, you know, he's done some, done some biggins. Done some biggins cruising. Like boogans? Done some boogans. <laughs> um, boogans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, to live and die in LA. Now, um, this is a. Well, it kind of has a few stories going on simultaneously. So it's not just. It, it gets a little more complex. It's not just uh, Peterson. Chasing down who, what, it, what it is a counterfeiter. This isn't, you know, a lot of the time you see this, it's a murderer or a rapist or something like that. This is a counterfeiter, but he takes this shit seriously. Now, I didn't know. It's it says, uh, Secret Service. Isn't that who protects the president? Yeah, but they also do counterfeiting uh, oh, currency okay. stuff like that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I didn't know if they worked for the Treasury or what. Now I think the guy that works service works with him. Um, what is his guy? What is this guy's name? He did look. This guy's name. He looks like with his sunglasses on. Kind of looks like Ben Stiller. Uh, what yeah. Is his name. He's John. Like, is that John Pankow? Pankow. 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 Maybe. Let me look at his face. No, that's not him. Well, shit. Yeah, yeah, that's him. No, that's totally him. That's. Him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he looks different because he's old. Well, old and chubby faced. Um. I think he might work for the treasury and they're kind of made partners together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's um, what... Willem Dafoe is the counterfeiter. He, uh, is, um, baby is face. Literally very, very baby faced. Uh, Eric masters is his name. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Peterson has an older partner uh, that I can't remember his name, but he, um, was that, Robert Downey Sr. Was that Robert Downey Sr.? Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't even, I, 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 you know, I know his fucking fucked up Tony Stark kid, but I never knew who he was. <laughs> um, but basically, in uh, he's ta- his, his character has kind of taken this whole um, finding this counterfeiter seriously and kind of he's ta- taken it into his own hands and he gets killed in the process. And it's pretty fucking brutal. Like they like they show him get shot in the face. Um, a few people get shot in the face in this movie. There's a there's like <laughs> at least three or four, three yeah. or four. And they and obviously they're. I was wondering how they did that. I, I was wondering if somebody was off screen and they just like throw red paint into his face or something. Yeah, like, but with 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 him, he gets shot, and then when he's down, the other guy walks over with a shotgun and shoots him point blank in the head, and you see like. There's squibs on his head that look like shotgun pellets. You know, they, it doesn't I, I, just look like the other ones look just like somebody just threw a big 
a water balloon full of fucking blood in their face. <laughs> but this one, you see the, like the actual like bullet holes or whatever. The, yeah, the I, was curi- I was curious how they did that because to put a squib on somebody's face is pretty. I mean, yeah, that's, that's an man. explosive. So yeah. well, they probably just really shot him. Um, just shot him. That was when down. That was that was you know rest in peace, Robert Downey. He died on the set of. <laughs> um, nope, he's still oh. alive. They didn't really shoot him. Uh, unless he just no. has, a, unless he can really recover. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so now uh, Peterson has uh, Peterson's character Richard Chance. Well, silly names, Richard Chance, Chance. Masters. Um, He's gonna take a chance. <laughs> you know why? Why did they? Na- why does his mother name him Chance? I don't know. Because she took one, like Chance Boudreau. No chance, Boudreau. I do. I, I just didn't have my crickets. So I was just letting the silence speak for itself. The uh, <laughs> did you find? Did you find that? Um, I know what they were trying to do, but uh, it wasn't really a bungee thing. It was like one of those decelerator things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was so fucking stupid. Well, he's kind of. They're establishing mm-hmm. that he's a risk taker. He's taking a chance. He's taking That's a chance. He is. He's taking a chance by jumping off the fucking giant bridge in it's LA like with a wire around his ankle. Head with that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, base jumping. Yeah. Um, so he. I think I'd just rather free base on my couch. He has a. <laughs> he has a reason now. Uh, like not that, really. Well, for some somehow, and I, I maybe I missed it. Somehow he knows who. The person is now. <laughs> he's like now he's now he's got real reason to go after after Defoe uh, after uh, Masters because he um, <laughs> he's now killed his partner. Not only is he a son of a bitch and a counterfeiter, he's also a murderer. Um, now w- Willem Defoe, I really like his character in this because he he's not just like just like a mob guy. He's not just a counterfeiter. He's a he is. Artiste. <laughs> he's an artiste. And he's a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, which really plays well into the type of character that he is. Um, now, he does make this like, he's like, now I know he was trying to make some artistic statement by burning his own painting, but he's going to leave an awful black mark on the side of his nice white house. But yeah. <laughs> but you um, know, that's just like, a, that's just like a, a rich, artsy, fartsy person's. You know, like we would like light our farts on fire. <laughs> uh, the um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I love the scene though with him. Uh, we 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 get to spend a little time with him there, actually making his money. And uh, you know, it made one. It made me miss being in a dark room. I used to do. Uh, I used to develop photos and stuff back in college. Um, but he, you know, he's making plates and all this stuff and. He literally launders money. Waka waka. Um, but the uh, I love that scene with the whole process of him um, just very meticulously creating these $20 bills. So cool. Especially since they really did it and got in trouble from the fucking Secret Service. Did they really? <laughs> yes. You Those, can't they, do that. They look and legit. They, they did it. And then some of the shit, they had a guy that was a counterfeiter. Like I guess had been a counterfeiter and showed him how to do it. When you are only seeing Willem Dafoe's hands, mm-hmm. it's not Willem Dafoe's hands. It's that guy's. Oh. And uh, they put markings in each bill that they made or did like uh, uh, in the plates or whatever to make it so it wasn't 
passable or real. Gotcha. But they said there was like three or four different bills that got off the set. Oh wow! And including, I think Friedkin's son, and he got arrested, or he was just a, he was a minor. They wow. tried to spend it at a goddamn Seven Eleven or something. <laughs> they got in trouble. Oh wow! Well, yeah, because when you when you do that, the, I, I guess they said that. Uh, like if they were doing it for the movie, they couldn't have the plates couldn't have both sides. They could have done one side, mm-hmm. but they wanted to show make it look real. Yeah, it did. I mean, it totally looked legit. And they so. must have because they got in trouble. The um, so the uh, with with Peterson, I, I I thought you would maybe uh, notice it. Was it a he had a Steelers jersey on, right? Yeah, Mike Webster. Mike Webster. Okay, I didn't know if there was any meaning to that at all. Why he was wearing that? Because obviously this takes place in L.A. as the per the name of the movie, but why he would be wearing a Steelers jersey? Probably a bandwagon jumper from the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> we all know about them living in Kentucky. I mean the uh, the <laughs> uh, buddy. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, that was what Defoe said to what's his face before he shot him in the fucking face. So. The that's what I said. The dude standing next to Peterson when he opens the dumpster looks like Ben Steeler. Ben Stiller, Steeler. Ben Steeler, <laughs> Mike Webster. <laughs> Which he ended up being. I forgot he was totally a make. I didn't recognize him at first. So, um, you do you do you do get some of Friedkin's uh kind of his dark humor in this, like when the. You have what's his face uh, Totoro as a mule for for um, for Defoe, basically delivering his his briefcases full of fake money, and uh, they get they get wind of that and follow him through the airport and there's there's a really cool uh, chase down and fucking uh, Peterson man he was pretty fast he was running pretty quick and he jumps up on this like walkway another, railing another thing that they weren't supposed to do. I got trouble for. <laughs> yeah, they said at the airport they weren't supposed to. He wanted to jump up on the thing. The the what, what do you call the thing that you just stand on? It's like the moving on walkway. Yeah. It's flat. It's like that mo- the moving walkway. It's like yeah, a conveyor belt walkway. Whatever. And he they wanted to do that, and the people told him don't do this. And they said Friedkin would not tell people. He would tell people that they were just doing. Even the actors, he'd say, okay, we're just going to run through this real quick. Like they were rehearsing, and he wouldn't tell them that he was shooting. Yeah, and he and you know just to get a more natural thing, right? And I guess Peterson said, "Fuck, I'm going to do it anyway," and they got in trouble because they, really, they it was really, an insurance thing. He really something. jumped up there, man. He was he was running full out on that thing, which is pretty cool. So, um, but uh, <laughs> you have this weird the kind of, I guess it was almost a standoff where he pulls Totoro out of a stall and fires a shot there's a dude in the in the shitter already like what's wrong with you <laughs> you just all you see is his feet <laughs> well that and, was stupid because let me tell you something that's one thing i was going to say about farina being in the other movie and being a real cop i'm sure that they might use some of his uh, expertise as mm-hmm. a like a consultant or something even though he was a star because in this one they definitely there's no way that that guy would fire a fucking warning shot in the goddamn bathroom <laughs> they would, it would, all of all three of them would be deaf too well not only would they be deaf but i mean the goddamn who knows where the bullets go yeah, bounce would, off everything fucking hit somebody or you know and not only that but then his partner a real uniformed cop comes in 
Because he doesn't know Peterson's a cop. He's playing clothes and points a gun at Peterson. Then Jerry Seinfeld, cop, his partner comes in and has a gun on the cop with uniform. And then the other, then the fourth guy, another <sighs> silliness. The fourth guy comes in. He's like, I, I was just here to take a leak. <laughs> If he would have fucking, I mean, like, okay, Totoro did not even have a goddamn gun, and he just fucking shoots his gun off. Stop! Yeah, well, that might work in the fucking old TV westerns or something. Yeah, but yeah. You'd probably lose your fucking job. Well, you think about think about the reports he would have to fill out just for the. Yeah. Where, where's that bullet? You know. Um, now, Friedkin does have a real knack. I've I found in his movies for making police work very look very unglamorous. You know, a lot of his films. You know, you have this one where. Peterson, I mean, he's kind of a bastard. He's got this woman who works at a strip club, and I don't know if she was a prostitute at one point, but basically he has something on her and just uses that to his advantage. Like, I'm going to keep you out of prison and fuck you every once in a while, but yeah. I'm not going to like pretend like you're my girlfriend. I'm going to come in through the back door. I'm going to park in the dirty backyard. you know. And, and she had no tits. She had no tits <laughs> at all. But, but she was sexy when he pulled that fucking polo around her waist. She, well, that one part, she she put her top on so you could see that she was a titless wonder, but it just, uh, she didn't have any pants on. <laughs> <laughs> whoops, but lost your pants. Huh? Said, whoops, lost your pants. Well, the one thing about this movie that I kind of, like, it, it didn't have the black and white, good guy, bad guy thing. Okay, yeah. one, yeah, they were cops. And Rick Masters was the fucking bad was the bad guy, of course. But it seemed like almost like Rick Masters had more integrity and more like he followed his code <laughs> yeah. more than they did because they would just like do anything no matter how sleazy. And he, the only times that he really did anything shitty was um, when you know, people fucked him over or you know it was either you know. The cops were after him, but I mean, I thought the cops were more sleazy than he was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, in in a lot of his films, you know, you got in, you know, French Connection, Popeye Doyle. I mean, he's he's pretty much a racist bastard. And, yeah, with a foot fetish. <laughs> yeah, with a foot fetish, and then you have, um, then you you know, in Cruising with Al Pacino, the whole the whole you know theme of identity there, and you yeah. know, hanging out in the you know S and M gay clubs and all that. It makes it um, more interesting because it's not like you know, okay, um, you know, like it's a black and white, this you know, good man, but you know, whatever. You do, you do get to see Peterson's dick in this, which is funny. I was thinking when the movie was over, I was like, I think we just saw three different clips of homemade porn for masters, yet we still we don't see we we end up seeing uh, Peterson's dick instead <laughs> instead of his. And Willem Dafoe is notorious for having a big cock. I know. You think you'd see his, but yeah, you see. I mean, uh, you see, you you definitely see the silhouette at the very least when they're getting ready to fuck on the bed and Peterson's dick hanging there. So, um, I love his line to her though when he's like, because she wants more money for doing what she's doing, and he's basically like, you know, screw off, you know, I I have this shit on you, I'll send you back to prison. But he says to her, it's like, if you want bread, fuck a baker. <laughs> I mean, it, he was just. That's the part where. He's just so – it really just shows how scummy he is yeah. because even though, okay, as her – she's on parole and she's his snitch and um, god damn, man, I feel like I'm getting sick. <laughs> but it, really. Uh, but even though she's his snitch, um, the, 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 
the fact that he's fucking her and okay maybe she's she's portraying herself that she actually liked him Mm -hmm. and she's having sex with him and stuff like that but then when it comes down to it he's just like you know you're nothing but a whore i'll fucking i'll just violate you back and you'll go back to prison unless you do what i say that's i mean that is as scummy as it fucking gets yeah yeah it's it's um, just gross well you know it's funny the you know it it doesn't matter at this in this era of film it doesn't matter if it's day or night la was just a sleazy looking place in movies anyway and this really kind of fits in um i mean he goes to that strip club that she works at and it's i mean it it had to have been a real place there's no way they built it just for this but i mean topless from 11 a.m and like the the, it looked it looked like one of the places you'd buy cigarettes at on the side of the highway um the uh and you, get, I mean, that's when you get uh, a real difference. You know, when you're talking about that with Defoe and them, you know, you see him going into strip clubs. You see him driving through the dirt to get into her, the backyard. That sounds funny. He drove through the dirt to go in her back door. Um, the uh, <laughs> yeah, the old dirt trail. <laughs> but uh, you know, hanging out in strip clubs and stuff like that, as where Defoe, I mean, he he's a dancer or something. Like he, you know, his his house is very nice. He everything's real clean on his side of things. So. Yeah. He goes to the gym three or four times a week. Um, uh, God, watching Peterson act like he's working out was pretty pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, it's like a douche. <laughs> so uh, they they're not like to to make a deal with the, they're trying to finally to pinch um, uh, Masters, and they need to buy some of his money, and but the you know their their higher ups won't give them because masters because he's like high end he's the best at what he does he requires a lot of money and their higher ups will obviously won't give him that much money so <laughs> another you know back to the sleaze again they get it in a less than less than uh honest way and the well, basically by stealing it but i won't you know i won't go into what exactly happens there but he is trying to open up a briefcase I I was certain that he was gonna fucking hurt break his wrist or something because mm. he he has this metal briefcase and he's banging against this like the column of a big bridge and man he was really fucking slinging that thing and I was like Jesus Christ that you know if you take like a baseball bat and hit like a wall like that it hurts yeah at once and he was doing it over and over again um but fortunately this leads to this fucking ridiculously crazy car chase I loved it um. And if you've seen French Connection, you know Friedkin likes the crazy car chases. Um, but this was this was great. I mean, driving the wrong way in traffic, fucking trucks wrecking. I mean, gunfire, really good stuff. Um, the and I and I think we've said it before. What was the name of that one? I've, I've, I've we've brought it up and forgotten it before. But the the dude like he was like a a fighter in L.A. And you had that weird, like, karate guy that would wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I remember when we, when I was watching this, that it was uh, he was in it. Um, or no, no, Jesus Christ, Not, he was in that fucking movie um, Romero that I watched with with uh, uh, Ron uh, Julia. Well, uh, that that actual guy, I can't remember what his name is now. Well, the the movie, I thought of it again because I think we brought this up before, maybe when we talked about Vice City, but the uh, Vice, no, Vice Squad, the. Um, by City is the video game. The uh, 
the LA that's like no no crime story set in LA seems complete without that LA crick. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the that's concrete where they, thing. They grease lightning and then uh, grease they they had the drag race. Fucking everything. That guy's there. name was Robert Vaharo. Vaharo. There you go. It, he was the he was the uh, yeah. <laughs> that's because when I was when you said that I was like yeah yeah I remember seeing that and that wasn't even in <laughs> Live in the, Die in L A. It was in the movie I just watched because he wasn't in a lot of shit. Well, they drove and it I, in and, and drive. Like, what the motherfucker. That's that guy. Yeah, they yeah, drove yeah, it in and drive. It was in Terminator Two. That fucking L A. Crick. It's like that thing. Yeah, they, they drive cars in that shit all the time. I wonder if it's even legal to drive a car in there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you probably can't because there's too many movie uh, crews <laughs> yeah. down there lined up. They're just waiting. Um, so anyway, I, I don't. I, it's going to be hard for me to talk about much more without. I don't want to spoil the story. Don't give it away. Why, why don't you fill in some stuff here? Let me fill in some stuff here. Yeah. Uh, you have the the classic. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's two cliches right off at the beginning of this, and one of them is. Um, I've only got three more days before I'm going to retire. Uh, which, <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen to that guy. <laughs> He's like the red-shirted uh, Star Trek security guy. Remember that movie? With that, uh, with and uh, I'm too old for this shit. That's remember that, another one we got that movie, in there right remember, at the beginning. You remember the movie um, with Dabney Coleman where he... Um, we had some uh, neon... Uh, like the, like I like how they ran the titles at the beginning. It was that red and green shit um i keep wanting to say almost while i'm watching that this that i keep thinking instead of this being a friedkin movie that it was another michael mann movie <laughs> um deborah fur f-e-u-e-r deborah fur is uh willem defoe's girlfriend in this also in real life mickey rourke's wife his first wife hey um she was also uh, starred with Mickey Rourke in the movie Homeboy with Christopher Walken and Mickey Rourke. All right. Sorry about that. The, yeah, everybody probably just heard Zom talk, <laughs> talking. Over me. We were getting the weird lag Skype thing. So anyway, uh, so yes, you continue, please. Well, Friedkin, for some reason, decided that Wang Chung was <laughs> the, like this big thing, which they were, I guess, yeah. pretty big at that time. And so they, they, did I think all the music in this? It's uh, I, I think I read that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, once it Rick Masters, he mm-hmm. drives like a this this car was really big. Everybody wanted this car. Uh, in uh, Magnum PI with Tom Selleck, the TV show, he had this red Ferrari. Well, Rick Masters has a black one just like it, and uh, it was pretty cool for the time, I yeah. guess. Um. Let's see here. We have Dean Stockwell in this uh, from Quantum Leap and other stuff. Uh, And he plays a sleazy ass. I mean, he's rich, but he's still sleazy. Uh, lawyer uh, has a nice gold herring bone chain necklace, which I know (laughs) what that is because I worked at a jewelry store at one time when I was in collage. Um, you have okay. We talked about people getting shot in the face in this movie. Like I said, it's probably about four people that get blasted right in the <laughs> fucking face, uh, which is very effective because you're like, God damn. Yeah. Even now, yeah. I'm like, I was like, fuck. But somebody else gets shot in the dick. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dick shot, and uh, boy, that that. Whew, huh. uh, I have a note that says fuck Ronald Reagan. 
because uh, when they're walking through the police station and stuff like that, of course, there's a picture of Ronnie. Well, you, hear him at, you hear him at the beginning. Uh, well, talking about <laughs> taxes. Um, Peterson walks around. Uh, he, I don't know if it's a members only jacket. I mean, but he, but my main thing is that he has his uh, button up shirt unbuttoned down, not all the way to his belly button, a la Tom Jones, but pretty close. Yeah, close. Yeah. Um, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> uh, his partner, the damn it, now I got the hiccups. Uh, it's the lag. It's the hiccups. Uh, they do the pop collar thing, mm-hmm. which is I hate that. Fonzie could do it, but uh, <laughs> 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 there's, a, there's a, how the hell did you get the hiccups? <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a there's a I don't know why they threw this in there. It maybe it was just a guy who was an actual artist, a famous artist or whatever, but the disabled kind of little person yeah, in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. That was just kind of odd. odd. <laughs> oh, you've got you've got Steve James. It was in a lot of uh, movies back in the day in there, and he um, he plays a guy that um, Rick Masters that that uh, Rick Masters pays him and his buddies to try and kill someone, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that goes to the point where, like I said, Masters is he has even though he's a criminal. I wouldn't say. Well, I guess it's a kind of a honor amongst thieves thing, where he says, "You know, do this for me, and I'll give you this much money." Where and they they don't do it, and you know he's like, "Hey, you know, you didn't do what I told you to do. I want my money back." And they're like, "You know, fuck you, okay, or whatever." I don't know if they said that, but uh, that just <laughs> I want to say he was African American. So anyway, um, and Rick Mash was a honky. Um, as I am. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know why this was in there. Why did they feel that? Why did Friedkin feel the need to put like a time clock? Oh, jeez! At the bottom of the screen every once in a while. Just and and you know what? You know what else was weird about that? It it would change fonts. Like at the beginning, yeah. it was like typed, and then one time it was handwritten. It didn't seem to me like it was. It wasn't like it was like a. There was a bomb that was going to go off, or they had to do something by a certain time. No. So I don't know why they did that. Maybe to give it to try and give it some kind of a like, like a realistic documentary feel. I don't know. Um, John Turturro uh, seemed to give old William Peterson pretty good ass whooping. Yeah, he kicked his ass big time. And that's something that you normally wouldn't see with a hero. You always think of the of the. Goddamn hero, <laughs> he, you know, a tough guy, and the and the villain, you know, being a little Weasley guy, especially Totoro, who looks kind of Weasley. Let me tell you something. Uh, Totoro is very fucking bow-legged. <laughs> yeah. When uh, he's walking around in his bathrobe, and Peterson's in his house, and he kind of knows somebody's in there. He comes walking out with his gun, and he's just got like a robe on and and pajama. Pajama pajama bottoms. Yeah, yeah. And he's he he is so fucking bow legged, it is unbelievable. <laughs> Willem Dafoe goes commando. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're in the uh, locker room and they start to undress to go work out, I guess, and he just takes his pants off and his pasty pasty white ass is, is just out there. Um 
This was right around the time of Streets of Streets yes. of Fire too. Uh, when, uh, of course, like I said, when they when they did the thing at the beginning with the God damn it, <laughs> with the uh, him jumping off the bridge for like a, he's an adrenaline junkie, and yeah. I think that goes to. He's not a corrupt cop like in, say, Serpico or Prince of the City where they're just trying to steal people's money to enrich themselves. Right. He gets high on the rush of, of of doing this police work. And I think just, you know, the, the having the check who's – you know, like I said, it's almost like a slave-master relationship where this girl doesn't – she doesn't want to be, be with him and she's – fucking him and he's just shooting her and and he basically tells her you know if you don't give me information then i'll send you back to prison but you know i'll fuck you in the meantime yep um it's gross i just still think it's gross um peterson has on a very large very black uh of aviator sunglasses <laughs> uh <sighs> For some reason, I, I don't remember. Maybe you remember what this meant. You better try and shit forty grand. Somebody- um, it was the the when the what's his face? I think you said his name earlier. Uh, one of the guys that um, Defoe was dealing with. Uh, what is his name? The black guy, Steve James. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah oh yeah. 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 Defoe tells him that you better yeah. try and shit yeah. uh, forty grand. Um. Oh, I already did that. Is this... <laughs> they're in... I can't remember if they're in the locker room or what, but they the camera is just showing Peterson and Defoe from, like, the chest up. <laughs> and Peterson's bringing Defoe some money. And I think Defoe... At one point, Defoe either knows or suspects that they're cops. But the whole point of this scene, and I know they did this on purpose because of the way they shot it, he walks over to Peterson, and he reaches over. But you you can see his arm reaching over, but you can't see his hand or anything. You see him from pretty much like maybe the elbow up or or mid uh, between the elbow and the shoulder up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, is this my package? <laughs> and I just thought, okay, is he fucking grabbing Peterson's dick? <laughs> You know, is this my package? Because he's acting real coy. Because you know, you kind of know that he knows, but he's just acting real weird. And Peterson's trying to act tough, mm-hmm. even though he's a little short-legged douche. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> there was a few times where he's running and like he's holding his gun up in the air, like it's almost like somebody pretending to be a TV cop instead of the way a real cop would do stuff. <laughs> um, Let's see. There's something that happens in this that the first time I saw it, I totally didn't expect. Uh, when Friedkin shot it, uh, they, of course, did the test audience thing, and the studio said, you can't do that. <laughs> and it's pretty shocking. Um, let's see. So I, I, I like, I don't want to go any further into some of the stuff because if you, if you haven't seen it, but um, I just like that 
one of the main things I liked about this movie, number one, just like the other movie, there's not a lot of people in here. This was, I think, Peterson's first role. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted, when they wanted to make this movie, uh, they only had a certain budget. And within that budget, they said Friedkin knew with the amount of money he was getting that he wouldn't be able to cast like a big star. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where he found Peterson. Well, I know where he found him. I mean, he was, he was up, like I think, in Canada working. And they got him, and he recommended the uh, John – Pankow, who plays John Vukovic, right, his right. partner, uh, and they brought him down, and they said as soon as he walked in, they were like, okay. Uh, Totoro went on to, of course, be something. Dean Stockwell's always been a you know real solid and famous actor, but not like a – he's not like a big money guy or anything. Uh, Defoe he, was, had he was in your favorite anything. movie, the te- Paris, Texas. Fuck a duck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> both these movies are better than Paris, Texas. Um, let's see. Um but I, I liked the that it's down and dirty and that the, 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 the lines between uh the good at bad guys are blurred. Like I said, I, yeah. I almost had more respect for the bad guy because these guys, the cops, were just sleazy and they would be the kind of guys that like, okay, we are criminal and so no matter what we're gonna get you, even if we have to frame you, even if we have to you know, it's it's like they they're just they go way beyond uh, – they're, they're just – I don't know. Like I said, it, it's, it's just not cut and dry, and it's kind of dirty and gritty yeah, and yeah. bleh. Totally. There's lots of scummy people in this movie, but it works. It does work. And now this one, I didn't look and see what the um, – you know, like how much – well, it cost – let's see. I was trying to see how much it cost and, to, and how much it made. I think it was successful. Whereas the other one that we reviewed um, was yeah, not. not. Uh, I thought they had like – for some reason, I'm thinking that I read that uh, it cost like $8 million. And it made, uh, I guess, 17 in the U.S. Yeah. And then more, of course, you know, overseas. So this was a successful movie. Um, and I don't know. I just remember when it came out that uh, when I first saw it, I really – didn't like it that much. Now, hmm. when I watched it the other day, I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, I think it was just because it wasn't cut and dry, and it wasn't what I really expected it to be. And I didn't know anybody in it, so. But that, but that was. I mean, you know, I saw this one back in like '85 or whatever. Hell, I was just out of high school, and it's weird because you do have different. You know, you have a different perspective yeah, sure. when you're younger or older or whatever. But anyway, that's um, all I have. We can get our ratings here. The um I bought this on uh, Blu-ray at Big Lots, so mm-hmm. it's there if anybody wants to go and dig it up. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it has a, it has Friedkin commentary on it, which I haven't listened to, so mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear some of the backstories of this, especially you know you talking about them getting in trouble for certain things. I'm sure he yeah. goes into that a little bit, but it's like seven bucks at Big Lots. Big Lots. So if you got one near you, check it out. But um. Uh, this is the second time I'd seen this one, and I've liked it a lot each time. Um, Freakin' works for me. I like. I just like his his films a lot. And honestly, just because I'm not always the biggest horror guy, Exorcist is probably one of his films that doesn't work the most for me. Which I'm fine. I like it, but you know, I like his police stuff more. Um, let's. I give. I honestly, I give this about the same as I give the other one. I give it an eight out of ten. That's <laughs> what gonna say i'm gonna rate it exactly the same as i rated the other one at 8.25 so 
You know, I thought they're 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 very comparable. I think in style too. To, they both have a very '80s feel about them. Um, the music helps, but and the clothing helps, but the just the themes and the 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 way people behave is a it's a very 80s they're all they all feel 80s and like i said earlier not a bad thing um you know time capsule movies are good too and this is what this is I, this would be different if it was filmed today definitely it, so. it wasn't but to me neither one of them was uh like the 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 garb like with the ties and the 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 little sports fucking coats that they wear, right, you know, right, right. shit like that. It wasn't distracting though. And the music wasn't super distracting. No. Uh, like I said, now I hate to convict, cause like I said, they, you know, I like drive too, but when they put in some music in that, it just seemed out of place to me okay. because it, it didn't take place in that time. Right. Right. You know, it didn't take, it doesn't take place in the eighties and they're playing this eighties music. It's almost like in uh fucking young guns when you they're know, playing you know rock fun- music, you know, it just though, seems that, out of place. That, I know the, it's an homage or something, that thing, but, um, uh, I didn't watch this and think, Jesus Christ, look at those fucking clothes and stuff like that, because the story and all the other stuff is so good that it doesn't really, I'm not, I'm not like just sitting there going, oh my God, look right, at that. Right. Oh my God, they look like shit, you know. Right, Who right. would wear this or that, you know. Anyway, so, well, uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, what I was going to say about Drive, the uh, with the funny thing about it, that the music from it is actually not really 80s music. It was all done like the late 2000s. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, pulls from 80s at the very least. So anyway, uh, so at 8 and 8.25, exact same scores as for Manhunter. And thank you, Rob, again for the suggestions. Uh, let's take a break and come back and power through some feed sack and wrap it up. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Oh, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour.
time for feed sack. That was that was Liam's choice of music this week. All right, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. More choices. Chose that by a coont hair, as I said yesterday. He just beat Jeff in on his pick. All right, Um, uh, big announcement. I just approved the 900th member of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema Facebook group. I hope I didn't approve somebody that didn't need to be in there. <laughs> oh, shit, man. They'll be catching up to us soon. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I should It'll though. probably be an anarchist this time or a fucking who knows what. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it's uh, time for feed sack, as I said already. Republican. Uh-oh. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> Well, he works at the TARDIS and is a member of Starfleet, so I have fail- I have good faith about this guy. Yeah. Um, the um, so yeah, feed sack. Um, Jesus Christ, I need a new cushion on this chair. I'm having to go through my phone, so it's going to take me a second. All right. Wow. I should play Tom Waits again. Um, that was awesome. Here's some that was Hall of Fame uh, feedback. Hall of Fame, indeed. First feed sack. Wolfie, this is Thor, the God of Thunder. <laughs> I've heard that, like that redneck Sammy in Kentucky, that you don't like my movie Thor. You, you find it boring, stupid, or uh, whatever you call it. You don't like my mythology. You don't like me. It's exactly what you said. Now let Thor tell you something. For starters, he don't give a damn if you don't like him, because he sure as hell doesn't like you. But let me tell you something. My movie is a masterpiece. Right, it's the best superhero movie ever made outside of the Avengers. And the only reason the Avengers get that high regard is because I, the God of Thunder, am in it. And I make that movie. Because without me, the Avengers are nothing. You know what? The, the Th- Thor in the Avengers was actually perfectly fine, as was Loki. Um, mm-hmm. In Avengers, I don't want to spoil the scene. when he When Loki meets the Hulk... That was one of the funniest shit <laughs> I, I had seen. In, I rewound it and watched it twice, yeah. and I was, oh my god, that was hilarious. Um, and it might be just down to director Brana and you know and and Joss Whedon. I don't think so because I'm, I've said this a, a bunch of times. I like in in the in actual comic books when Thor is in the Avengers and he's helping them fight Ultron or mm-hmm. Count Faria or something like that. I like Thor. I very rarely have read just a Thor book where it's a lot of Asgard shit yeah. that I like. And, I, I, and I, maybe that's, I, I think that was my issue with that movie. I didn't like his, his real life stuff. And I, st- I started reading Avengers number one recently and that, and Loki fucking with the Avengers was actually, they, they had to have pulled that for at least the theme of it for the movie. That's first where he kind of was with the Hulk. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, they, I don't know, and you know, I don't even remember once in the, in the book. I mean, in the in the Thor movie that he spins his hammer around before he flies off. Like he does that a few times in the Avengers movie, um, which I I think I seem to remember from him doing that in the comics. But yes. anyway, sorry. Please continue, Thor. Okay, Iron Man's just a rich little <laughs> pussy bitch billionaire. Captain America uses steroids. Fuck if anybody even knows who Hawkeye or Black Widow are. I don't know who the hell they were. And uh, then you got a uh, 
the Hulk, Bruce Banner, who just has anger management. Well, you know what? I know how to keep my anger in control and use it at the right moments, and I don't want to hear that Brucey Poo somehow knows how to do that, too. He is not Thor. He is a Thor imitator, and you know what? He needs to morph, just like anybody, like Captain America with steroids. He has to morph into a larger-than-life beast in order to get the job done. Thor comes with his own meat, his own man-meat, man-made steel, God-made. I have worked since I was a child to build these muscles. No steroids, no anger mansion that causes me to turn into a beast. All right? So what I want you to do is I want you, like Sammy, to either do one of two things. Retract your statement. One, you can retract your statement. And, and uh... that Thor is the greatest film <laughs> ever made. And that Thor is the greatest superhero ever made. He is the best mythology of any character ever. Or two, he's either going to have to come down there to North Carolina... Or, like I did with Sammy, if you show up at one of these Warhound weekend conventions, I'll come down there and I'll bash your brains in with my hammer and my fists. All right? I sound like the Rock Sammy in Indianapolis back in September when I seen him because like I seen him quivering in his shoes. <laughs> I seen him scared. All right? I smelled the shit that was coming out of his asshole. Whoa. Just like you, you're an asshole and I can smell your shit. And this is shit. You want to talk about Prometheus? Well, for the God of Thunder, tell you something about Prometheus. We have. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Oh, he got cut off. Was that Sid Caesar? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you hang up on Thor? You never hang up on my god of thunder. Or else I'm going to send a lightning bolt straight up your ass, and you'll be feeling the heat for weeks to come. You see, even Sammy knew to let my, me finish my phone call because he has balls which you don't loathe and as I was saying oh. about Prometheus before you cut me off that movie's a piece of trash and I'll tell you why you see up on Asgard we have our own movies his, we make our own movies but every now and then we'll import <laughs> American movies or Hollywood <laughs> movies or anything from this earth you call um, obviously we were in conjunction with Thor and that really opened the floodgates so we brought up Prometheus, and it's nice to form that Prometheus was even able to come off to Asgard. And uh, we all thought it was shit. Okay? Let me tell you why. These people are stupid. The whole storyline is stupid. If people believe there's a god or some bullshit or anything, all right, you know what? We're the only gods, all right? You want to make that mythos correct? You have fucking Thor, the god of thunder, coming down there, smacking those little whiny assholes around, going up to those aliens, beating the shit out of that, and then we got another hour and a half left. Well, I just fucked Natalie Portman. That's a better film. <laughs> well, that's nice. a film that would sweep the Asgard Film Awards would, just like Thor did and just like the Avengers is doing this year. All right, so what I want you to do, I want you to answer him, because I know Sammy listens to this stupid show just because he can't stand the yeah. sound of his own voice, which is good because I can't stand it either. Fucking <laughs> right, yeah. Just Jesus like I can't Christ. stand your voice. But Thor puts up with it because Thor is fair and balanced. He's really going to be angry. You start running your mouth about he, not I think his Thor voice will get cut off again. But you see, you two should just take yeah. after your, your cohorts, your buddies. Uh, Sammy should take after Large William, who really enjoyed the film. And I can tell you why he's a smart man, because his name is Large William, which means he has a large cock. And everybody knows men with large dicks are very smart. I would know this. I am a god, I should mention. I am a god, a male god with a oh, humongous dick. And I am intelligent. I'm one of the most intelligent men on Asgard, and certainly the most intelligent when he comes down here to Earth. All right? And any man that has a huge dick and isn't smart, that ain't a real dick. All right? That's senior porn stars. All right? That, ain't, that either ain't a real dick, <laughs> to some of the 
one more. One more. One more. We're almost there. Four, damn it. That's our version of goddamn before. Damn it. Are you cutting me off for the second time? All right. Old, like I said, Lone Wolf is too He's smart. He likes my movies. Let's move your on dad, to your friend, dad, your pal, damn it. your co-host, <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Zahn. He's a doctor. Therefore, he's smart. I don't need to see any degree. I can tell, even though he's a sleazy individual, he's very smart. Why? Because he likes Thor. You don't like Thor. Sammy doesn't like Thor. And it shows why. A redneck and a hippie. Uh, a redneck. Uh, let's look. Samurai. What the hell is he a samurai? Uh, fucking fried chicken. Is he fighting old white men? Is that what he's doing down there in Kentucky? What about you, you fucking hipster? Huh? You came up to Asgard. You would would last five seconds without having your ass beaten harder than a fucking stripper in New York City. All right. I'm not nervous. I've been doing my. <laughs> wow, that's epic getting cut off. I don't even think he tried back after that. Yeah. You know what they should have done with Thor? They should have made him come to Earth and be that like doctor that walks around with a cane like he did in the comics yeah. in the 60s. Uh, Dr. Donald Blake. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Uh, didn't Kirby drew that initially, right? Sure. Did, uh, drew the or, I mean, Thor. Thor. All right. Powering <laughs> through. Next voicemail. Oh, never mind. He called back. <laughs> That's it. I'm fucking through. Thor is going to kick your ass when you come to Old Town Weekend. He's going to be nice enough to let you stay in North Carolina if you're so afraid because you know you're going to get the biggest ass beating you've ever gotten because Thor is the god of thunder and he is not taking this shit anymore. So you rewatch Thor and this time, how about you watch it in full instead of going to take a piss and let it run? I'd do that to Sylvan Gold too and I probably wouldn't miss much, but I don't. So I want you to watch my movie again, watch the Avengers, and that's the other thing. Sammy liked the Avengers, and he liked being in it, because he smartened up after Horror Hound Wicked. She better be like Sammy, all right? <sighs> fucking hipster. God, Thor. Jesus, Thor. Thor. Stone Cold Thor Rocky. Uh, sweet. All right. Next voicemail. Thank you, uh, Thor. <laughs> Next voicemail. <laughs> hey, Susan this is the Vistas Deluxe. Is it? Now, 2012 is coming to an end, and it's going to be 2013. At good, the end good, of the uh, year, guess. I know you guys like to say which movies you thought were the best of the year, so I thought I'd like to uh, share my favorite movies of 2012 with you guys. Now... My number one movie of 2012 is Expendables 2, <laughs> starring me, Sylvester Stallone, and my pals, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and Jason Statham, JCVD, how could I forget him? He was badass. He was the bad guy. He fucking, fucking was bad, man. I fucking <laughs> fought him. You know, I don't want to say what happens because I don't know if everyone's seen Expendables 2 yet. It's made billions of dollars, so <laughs> probably pretty much everyone has seen it, but, you know, don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah, that was my number one movie, definitely. Uh, I'm struggling now because I don't really watch movies that don't have me <laughs> in them. Um, so my number two movie is Judge Dredd. <laughs> The one with me in. I watched that again this year because they made a sequel to my Judge Dredd movie. I didn't want to watch that, though, because I wasn't in it. 
but I, re- I just rewatched my judgment. I'm amazed at it. I go, I am the law. It's fucking, yeah. <laughs> you know, I take the helmet off. People fucking, like, oh, Sly, you're taking this helmet off. This is not judgment. Well, fuck you, man. I'm Sly. Uh. I take my helmet off. People fucking know it's me. Why, why <laughs> am I going to hide my face? Fucking, ah, oh, you fucking... Morons. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little woke up there, yeah. Then uh so that's my number two movie of twenty twelve is my Judge Dredd movie. Um number three, uh I saw a porno with that China woman in. Because uh the only films that I watch that don't have me in them are pornos. And yeah, there was this this chick called China. She had big fucking muscles, and yeah, I fucking, I, yeah, I was getting into that. My big old dick out and jerking off and fucking looking at the muscles and fucking, oh yeah, I wanted to have a workout with China, you know, have a fucking get down in the gym, work on the equipment for five hours and fucking, yeah, get all our muscles all big and then just fuck. Fucker with my big fucking dick, oh, yeah, fucking beautiful. What a woman, oh, yeah. That's my number three movie of the year. Um, I'm just gonna leave it a free movie because I ain't seen any other fucking movies. I didn't make any other fucking movies in 2012. Next year though, it's fucking. There's gonna be loads of sly, slides everywhere, man. Fucking, you know, fucking. Yeah, I'm making all the movies next year. It's fucking exciting times. I'm making billions of dollars. <laughs> fucking, you, you're going to love them, man. Fucking, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I hope uh, you've fucking all watched my movies and fucking looking forward to seeing my <laughs> new movies. And yeah, fucking check out this China chick. I know ain't seen her before. She's got big muscles like me. Fucking not as big as me though. I'm I'm sly. No one's got muscles as big as me or a dick as big as me. I fucking you uh, know China's oh, close. Get all muscular with her and just fucking get my fucking big old dick out and fuck her. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> A little sniffly this week, Sly is. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, I hope, uh, hope Sly enjoys his New Year's, and uh, I hope the tea leaves, the, the, the cum drips, lead to a prosperous year for him. Next voicemail. I don't know if this is real or not. It's Sly jerking off. somebody pocket called us anyway uh let's see oh we got an email from rob uh it's called it's i guess freed man although it's it looks more like fried man um hey zaman loaf first off thanks for doing the movies i brought up on the silver and gold page you actually brought them up on the gentleman's guide page (laughs) um unlike (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> post seventies black exploitation. I really hadn't planned on the suggestion being a show. Honest, but I'm glad you did. 
There's a lot of shows I've been meaning to give feedback to, but I figure I should comment on this. To start with, I'm both a man fan and a fan of Friedkin's work. I lean slightly towards man, but I like them both. And in my mind, the events of Manhunter could have drove Peterson's character to do what he does in To Live and Die in L.A. And the thing about William Peterson is at this age here, he really looks like a high school gym teacher that the girls gossip about. (laughs) Or maybe like a Spanish teacher. Um, Something about his look or his hair. Yeah, Spanish teacher, and he coaches the girls' soccer team after school. Um, something about his looks or his hair or something. But I like the I like the cowboy boots, aviator sunglasses, and the Letterman's jacket he had in To Live and Die. Sort of like a blend of Cobra and Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon. Uh, Brian Cox's Lecter was a bit more menacing than Hopkins' version to me. Uh, and quite a bit more physically imposing. I could really picture him stabbing someone in the prison shower with a sharpened spoon or something. Uh, Willem Dafoe always looked like some sort of alien trying to pass as a human, but his look was perfect in this. I remember a character in Miami Vice who was also who also burned his paintings like Dafoe's Eric Masters. The soundtracks in these are awesome with Manhunter sounding like the evolution of Tangerine Dream Thief soundtrack. Oh, there you go. And Wing Chun doing their thing in To Live and Die. Uh, that awesome car chase, which the late great Hollywood saloon covered, and the crazy ending put to live and die slightly ahead for me. But there are two flicks that make me wish I was a director or cinematographer in the 80s. Again, thanks for doing the show, Rob. P.S. A while back, I was dozing off by my computer with Facebook up, and I saw something called the group group. Was that a real thing, or did I dream it? <laughs> you dreamed it. It was a short-lived group. Um, it was all about groups. You could go there and talk about how fun it is to be in a group or different techniques for figuring out how to make a new group. But we only got like three members, so we shut it down. I don't remember uh, what that was. It was yours. You made the group group. Well, I know, but I don't remember that. What there was? There was a reason. Oh, because there was like eight thousand groups made. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was some fucking stupid reason that I did. There's right. always a method. Or ma- uh, something. Method Designs Madness. Next voicemail. Yeah. Oh, I got a shit so Hey, guys. This is uh, your listener, Dave, from Texas again. Hey, Dave. Uh, I just wanted to tell you guys how much I'm looking forward to hearing y'all talk about uh, To Live and Die in L.A. and Manhunter. You're in luck. It happened Dude, today. Real favorite of mine. And uh, I, I can't wait to hear what y'all think about them and hear y'all kind of talk about them, you know, one way or another, whatever you think about them. But, uh, however, I did want to comment on some bizarre changes and things I noticed in movies that I can only attribute to listening to, uh, to y'all's show. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen To Live and Die in L.A. I, I saw it in 1985, and it was an immediate favorite, just totally my kind of movie. Um, I've owned it in whatever format was available to me you know, over the years, uh, from VHS to you know, Blu-ray now. Um, and it, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if I've seen that movie 50 times nice. in the last, over the last 25 years. And, and honestly, that's probably low ball because <laughs> it's, it's just a real favorite. Uh, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm listening to the, uh, I'm watching it yesterday, um, just because the, the show's coming up and, uh, I noticed in that first sex scene between Peterson and his informant, um, I noticed Billy Peterson's dick flapping in the yeah, screen yes. for like five seconds. I've seen this movie 50 times. I never <laughs> noticed that. I can remember that woman's figure, which I find quite appealing, but I never noticed there's a fucking dick on the screen. 
There uh, you go. I pointed it out too. So, so I start listening to you guys' little podcasting shenanigans, and I start noticing bits up on the screen. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, I think he called back. Here you go. All right. So I was, this is Dave from Texas again. I, I was rambling and I got cut off there. Um, but I uh, just wanted to tell you that, uh, you know, I don't know. I think you guys are, uh, you know, I know correlation does not equal causation, but uh, y'all are broadcasting some kind of Halloween 3 style mind warping, dick <laughs> noticing bullshit. Yeah. So, anyway, let's uh, just uh, finish the thought there. So uh, that's it. Y'all take it easy and uh, love the show. Now I'm curious. Maybe it's left in on the on the Blu-ray. Maybe that maybe that was cropped in some way, or because so, I didn't notice. I don't it the remember first... seeing his dick. It, I wonder if it's I just, just on the Blu-ray. It, so, but it was on. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. because he said he got the Blu-ray too. I wonder if the dick is only in the Blu-ray. Well, I have the uh, DVD, so I'll have to go, out go back and, and look and it. see if you see his dong. Um, last voicemail just came in. In under the gun. Put your sweet lips a little closer to the phone. phone. Let's pretend that we're together all alone. (laughs) Yes. We'll tell the man to turn the jukebox way down low. (laughs) And you can tell the man there with you. He'll have to go. Yeah, you motherfuckers. I have no idea who that is. That was Sid Caesar. That was Jim Reeves calling in. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought he was dead. Nice. Uh, that's it for... Jesus, um, I'm gonna go get tattooed. That's about it for the show. Uh, let's see. Next week, we're introducing. We haven't had a, done a magnificent bastard in a while, so we're gonna switch it up. Finally, do a marvelous bitch episode. Yeah, with a Facebook group board favorite and her titties, Adrian. Barbo. Oh Boobo. shit, I thought you were gonna say Emily. <laughs> Emily Boobo. Um we are going to do 1982's Adrian Barbo's Tits Starring Swamp Thing, directed directed by Wes Craven. And we'll talk about some comic books. Maybe I'll need to read some Swamp Thing before next week. And uh we'll do 1981's How Needham, uh, How Needham returning to the show. Uh, not really an Adrian Barbeau movie, more of a Burt Reynolds movie, but she's in it and her tits are too. And her awesome jumpsuit and another, did she drive a red Ferrari? Um, uh, the cannonball run from 1981 should be fun. Roger Moore. Um, you can always send us feedback to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or silvergoldpodcast at gmail.com. We love when people call and sing. So uh, somebody call in and sing some Conway Twitty for us next. Um, you can find uh, always get the podcast on iTunes or silvergold.com and uh, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash silvergold and the uh, maybe failed experiment of the forum at silvergold.com slash forums. Ooh, I think that's about it. 
I'm going to go grab some food and run out the dough. Um, Zom, do you have anything else to add this week, sir? Nah, not this week. Not this week. Maybe next week, but not this week. Thank you all that called in. As always, we Yay. love you all like a wart on our butt cheek. And until next week, this is Loaf Oot. Zom Oot. Bye. Bye-bye.